Holman, I'm going to say this in advance. I think this is going to be a good episode. Is it going to be a long one? No, I think it's going to be of average length. Okay. That's what she said. <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> All right, well, uh, no, because I think it's going to be a good show because we've got uh, some of your audio from last last week. You were teasing me with yeah. going somewhere to do yeah. something. and yeah. I don't know what it was. And I was upset, but I, I, I got, got over it. And then I find out that you were well, you, at the GM Yuma Proving Grounds. I don't think you were upset. I think you were in uh, I just am tired of you. anticipation. I just am tired of you teasing. You know, everything is... Embargo. Everything is embargoed. Well, that's you. not true because I bring you unembargoed stuff from time to time. Occasionally you do, yes. <laughs> but I'm also excited to finally catch up in, uh, with some trailer talk. And I think we're going to call GatorMade trailers. Yeah, now, we've been working on them for a while. You may know GatorMade because they make really heavy-duty trailers. I think really popular in the hotshot community. Yeah. You know, the guys are doing long haul stuff, uh, but they somehow just, uh, we'll find out how, but they've made a name for themselves. Yeah. They're the guys making those super heavy duty trailers for all the trucks that have that big trailer towing capacity out there now. And if you remember when the when this started and the first manufacturer went over 30,000 pounds, there wasn't even a trailer readily available. And now that whole trailer market for heavy duty stuff has blown up. So I'm looking forward to talking to GatorMade. We've been talking with them for what seems like months to try and uh, get them on the show. And now, I doesn't think gotta... uh, doesn't Nissan and the Titan don't they have a, a hookup for yeah. ready to yeah, go? The, the Titan XD is awesome because it comes from the factory with a installed factory gooseneck ready to go right in the bed over that rear axle. So you could go pick yourself up a uh, Nissan Titan XD today. Start drive, hauling your GatorMade around. Yeah, <laughs> head on down to <laughs> GatorMade Trailers and uh, pick up your new gooseneck. Actually, I think they look pretty good together. They might if you had a Black Titan, all Black Titan. Black would it be Gator a Midnight Edition? Yeah, it would be a Midnight <laughs> Edition, exactly. If you want to pick up a Nissan Titan Midnight Edition or otherwise, head on over to NissanUSA.com, pick out the uh, truck of your choice. You can choose from the S, the SV, the SL, the Midnight, the Pro 4X, and the And all of Reserve. them carry the five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. That's right, industry best warranty, NissanUSA.com. And, of course, we want to thank our friends over at Decked because uh, they make one heck of a storage solution for your pickup truck or van. Whether it's a midsize or a full size, they've got the storage solution for you. Because the homemade one you've got in the back of your truck bed right now is just super weak sauce. It's uh, time to upgrade. Yeah, it's time to get something <laughs> nice. How do you have a sixty thousand dollar truck and you got plywood and carpet stable? I just see it, it all the time, dude. I had it. You, you know, seen it? I have not seen. I, I have seen it. I have have seen it. Yes, I have. <laughs> just checking. I just I see these construction dudes and they've got this gorgeous brand new truck. And just this beat up box in the back. I'm like, really? Because they don't know the deck system is well, around. And the deck system is uh, all molded. It's never going to rust. It's never going to dent. It's just an awesome setup. So yeah. head on over to deck.com. And uh, on that note, let's start the show. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman (laughs) you ruined it no why why no you can't do that why it's my show but it's my show, too, and you destroyed it. I didn't do it on your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my show, and that's your show? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, we, well, and we edit them together to make one cohesive show. Hey, <laughs> that, that was, <laughs> this is my show? All right, and this is my show. Yeah. That is super annoying for our <laughs> listeners. They hate us right now. Dude, somebody's banging on their head unit. Stop banging on your head unit. Lightning's just messing with you. 
I'm the left hand side. I'm the okay. driver's side, uh-huh. and you're the passenger yeah, I'm, side. I'm the creative side. I'm the right side. And mm. uh, if I were in a helicopter, I'd be the pilot. I'm the one that says where we're going to go, and you're the one that has to go where we're going to go. I feel like this is one of those times we need a attention podcast listener. There is nothing wrong with your audio file. Only right, with one right, of the co-hosts right, 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 of right, the Truck Show right, podcast. I'll bring, I'll bring us back to normal. Oh, here. that sounds so much better. Okay, so here's the deal. You went to the General Motors Desert Proving Ground, or whatever it's called, in Yuma. Yes, at the Army's Yuma Proving Grounds. Yes, that's where you said they occasionally drop bombs and do some crazy stuff, Well, right? they do. Paratroopers. <laughs> yeah, paratroopers jump out Very of the Very different than bombs, I guess. <laughs> and they, well, they, they do fire artillery, so you'll hear some huge explosions while you're out there. But it's fun to watch the paratroopers on a windy day get blown over into the G-improving grounds. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, and you test drove a 2020 Silverado? Yeah. What do you mean, yeah, you either did or you didn't? So there's been a lot of um, conjecture, let's say, out in the uh, truck world that the Silverado might at some point get a ZR2 variant. Yes, I've heard about that. You have? Yes, I have. Do you think that's true? Yeah. What if I- I, It makes sense. What if I told you- If they watch guys, for example, like uh, our friend Ryan Kibbe at Kibbe Tech, Uh taking full-size Duramax now and giving them mid-travel suspension, long travel. Yeah. Not fully long. It's more like mid-travel. Uh, I would I would suggest that they would be inspired by that. What if I told you I was invited out by GM, by Chevy, to have an exclusive look at, in my opinion, this part is totally coming from me, a thinly veiled prototype for what a Silverado ZR2 could be? I, I don't understand. It is either, it, it's either going to be one or it's not. You know that I've been racing with the Halls and I've had opportunity to race with them. In the no, trail. really? Yeah, yeah. If you <laughs> yes. remember, you last... talked about it ad nauseum. Yes. I don't know if it would be ad nauseum. You talk about the Halls more than the little car I drive. That is definitely not true. No way, dude. One hundred percent. I talk about the someone, little car. Someone named who Mini is all keeping track. You're just trying to turn the Banks thing on me. What are you talking about? Do you about? want to get to the content or not? I do want to hear about okay. it. Was it a Silverado or not? Okay, it's a 2020 Silverado, but yes. in my opinion, not officially from General Motors by yes. any standpoint, it was a thinly veiled prototype for a future GM product. When you say thinly veiled, you mean they're just, they, it eventually is going to become it, and right now they're just like, oh, we don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, something like that. What if I told you that Chad Hall will be driving a 2020 Silverado with the Multimatic DSSV suspension on it? in Best of the Desert next year. I think we could have predicted that. Really? Yeah. Well, we talked about a few episodes back, and you're like, I think this might happen. Well, now it is happening. Oh, good. So I had a chance. So uh, I literally met with Chad out there at the Proving Grounds, met with uh, the chief engineer, Mark Dickens, of uh, Chevy Performance, as well as one of the head engineers for the off-road program, Tom Gearman. I got to ride with Chad in only his second time in the truck. And his first drive during the day, we did the Suaro Trail, which is their off-road course at Yuma. Jumping in the truck with him on a truck that hadn't been tested at all was freaking awesome. And Was it scary? No, not at all. Really? Chad's an amazing driver. Amazing driver. And so the, the ZR2, the Colorado, obviously raced with him. I've been on the Proving Grounds with it. I've driven it personally on the Proving Grounds. What was amazing about the new Silverado is he's got a 6.2 truck with a 10-speed. And the amount of horsepower, there's more travel, there's more power. That chassis Any is going to be awesome. Any idea how much awesome. travel? Uh, no, they're not ready to uh, uh, release those numbers. But from measuring my hands, 
I'm thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of let's call ten, it ten or eleven, thirty percent more than the Colorado, maybe forty percent more. Because the Colorado's nine inches yeah, of travel, yeah, something like that. Take? So I'm thinking twelve to thirteen in the front, maybe fourteen in the back. Okay. Um, so we had an opportunity to walk around the truck, see it on the hoist, go for a ride with it out of the desert proving grounds. Check out the new shocks, which, by the way, look like Foster beer cans. They're massive. So I've got a couple interviews here. But you're not a fan of Foster. No. It's an interesting no. analogy that you used. Yeah, well, that's just that. That's what they brought it up as, and I, I can't argue with them. They, they look just like Foster beer cans. Okay. They're, they're giant, though. I had an opportunity to get under the truck, touch the truck, and had a chance to interview Mark Dickens, uh, talking about GM Proving Grounds, this particular project, as well as GM uh, Military, because he's overseeing that as well. Now, Mark Dickens, you we were talking off air. Yeah. And he has been recently, he's got a new position where he's in charge of- No, he's just added to it. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's he's a pretty important guy. If you know anything about the ZR2, that's his program. If you know about the ZL1 uh, Camaro or the 1LE or the Z06, Z, uh, ZR1 Corvette, all that, those are all his. So he's a pretty important guy. When it comes to uh, taking a factory vehicle and upping the performance, whether it's on the racing side or as an enthusiast vehicle available from the factory- that's the dude who does and it. And he's doing military as well. And he's doing, and he's overseeing military as well. So I have a quick interview with him, as well as uh, Tom Gearman, who is uh, one of the engineers on the racing program. He's one of the head guys over there. Uh, I worked with him on ZR2, and now he's taking the knowledge they've learned on ZR2, and they're applying it to the new Silverado. So I was pretty stoked to be out there. Appreciate GM uh, giving us an exclusive. If you head over to fourwheeler.com, you can see a bunch of video. So uh, let's do uh, Mark Dickens first. I am sitting at the uh, a conference room at the... Uh, GM Yuma Proving Grounds with Mark Dickens. And Mark, I don't even know what your title is because every time I see you, it seems like you have more responsibilities at GM. Yeah, it's always that tongue twister of a title. <laughs> yeah, so I'm the chief engineer for government programs, performance variants, and motorsports engineering. Okay, so we've, uh, we always say this on the show that the more uh, words that are in your title, the more important you are. So that sounds pretty darn important. So uh, we're sitting here at the Proving Grounds, and we'll, uh, we'll talk later uh, about why we're here. But I thought it would be uh, pretty cool to discuss being in charge of performance variants, everything from the car side to the truck side, Camaro, uh, 1LE is a perfect example, but also Colorado ZR2, which I think is a statement from General Motors that you're back, and you're back in off-road in a big way. And... Um, you guys have Suaro Proving Ground down here. You guys are working with Hall Racing. Lots of partnerships with uh, some pretty credible names in the uh, in the industry. Yeah, I mean, we're really excited to be back and back as strong as we are in the off-road world. Um, you know, one of the things that when we, you know, back, I want to say uh, five, six years ago, when we were putting together the performance division, there was a passion with several of us to get back in to the level that we are. And, you know, at the time, we were just doing high-performance Camaros, V-Series Cadillacs, vehicles of that nature. But the way that we executed those vehicles and the philosophy that we used to execute them was, to us, was perfect to bring over into the truck world and be able to do the same thing where we look at, we look at these vehicles and we say, from a customer perspective, what is the end use and what do they want to do? You know, is this person going to take a car and track it? And how do I validate? What are the requirements for that vehicle so that I know that it's going to be, you know, I can beat it relentlessly. You know, I'm not going to have a vehicle get to the racetrack and have a problem. So, you know, we established requirements for these vehicles for like 24-hour track capability. And, we you know, our, our goal was to break a vehicle or do something to it that a customer could possibly do. We wanted to do that ourselves before it ever got in their hands. And that way we could have a solution uh, and a resolution for any of those issues. 
So that philosophy mapped perfectly well over to the truck world and getting back into performance and understanding what is our customer's usage, you know. We developed Saguaro Trail here that, you know, you've had a chance to drive here at the Proving Grounds. Yeah, so I've had a chance uh, when the ZR2, before the ZR2 came out, you guys had invited me down to actually drive a prototype ZR2 on Saguaro Trail, which is a natural trail, not a, not a, you know, something that was recreated in concrete in Michigan, but out here in Yuma, a real desert trail that includes silt and washes. You have some great jumps in the middle of it. Um, you've got, you know, whoop sections of different sizes, different frequencies. You've got hard, you got rock, everything. It's, and how, how many miles is it? It's pretty long, right? It's about six miles, yeah, yeah. Six miles, and it's got, a, you're right, it's got a great mix of wash basin and man-made and natural terrain um, and you know we went and duplicated some things you know we've been working with Brian Cadella Brian's done a lot of trophy truck development in the past and known for light racing and down shocks probably the most in yep. his previous uh, previous life yeah and he's been a godsend to have him as a part of our team there's no doubt and and there's certain things over the years you know, 30 plus years that he's done development is there certain areas that we'd go to and look at tail kickers and things of that nature to get the balance of the vehicle when you, what we would consider for a consumer going too fast over an event, yeah. you know, but in their case racing, it's, that's how fast they go that's over That's actually a, a really good point, uh, talking about how balanced the vehicle is. I think that's one of the things that sets Colorado ZR2 apart from some of the competitors in that same midsize class is that it doesn't feel like there's n too little rebound control. You're not throwing the axle into the frame. You're not pushing the nose or pogoing. It f does feel very balanced front to rear, and it's stable. You can drive it fast out in the desert, out in the wash, and it's very predictable. And I think that there are some other performance trucks out there that the, the suspension tuning isn't as good, and there are some certain situations that you can get into where it can bite you. And it really feels like in the ZR2, you guys have managed that really well. Oh, well, thank you, Sean. I mean, coming from you, that means a lot. Because I know, I know you know you know your trucks. And, and yeah, we spent a lot of time working on that. We took it, you know, spent a lot of time on those events, in particular to get the balance. But, you know, it really kind You guys can't see it right now, but uh, <clears throat> Holman's pointing at himself. That's <laughs> not like, true, no. You were pointing at yourself going, yeah. Look at that compliment he just You know made what? I, I should do that. I should do that. But I'm too <laughs> humble for that. No no humble brags here. You know, spent a lot of time on those events, in particular to get the balance. But, you know, it really kind of goes to our philosophy. You know, I, I, I think we take a lot of pride in one thing, and that's our integration capabilities. Integration to us is how everything plays well together. It's not just, you know, just the shock tuning. It's the balance of the throttle apply. It's the balance of the you know, the on-road dynamics, and it's really spending the time in the harmony of everything working together. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that we're really proud about the ZR2 is we feel that it, it really showed that same high level of integration that we have on our performance cars. And we're, being, we're taking that now to trucks, and we're, now, we're taking that to defense, and, we're, you know, we're, we're taking that everywhere. And it's really the philosophy that we use, and we're driving that through. So after the Hummer brand was closed down, it felt like it was sort of the doldrums at General Motors in terms of off-road performance for a while. Yes, you had off-road variants, you had Z71s, and you had sticker and badge packages for lack of a better term. You may have had a, a minor shock upgrade with maybe monotubes, maybe some extra skid plates, but nothing really performance, just something that gets you down the dirt road to the campsite, a little better tire, things like that. And with the introduction of ZR2 backed by the performance variant side of the business, it really feels like you guys are back in off-roading. And I know we don't talk about future programs, so I won't ask you about what else is coming, but I know there's other things in the barrel that, uh, that hopefully in the near future we can talk about. 
But this isn't it for off-road and General Motors. You guys have made a big statement in the space of Colorado. It's been a huge success. I think ZR2 surprised a lot of people, and there's a lot of learnings that have, that have come out of that. What, what does off-roading in particular mean to, to you and the brand? All right. It really is, it, you know, some could call it a halo, but in case, in our case, I think it really is our brand identity. And, and I think, you know, yeah, there's years that we weren't doing high-performance versions of the trucks, but those people were still in our organization. They were still, you know, dying to get their hands back on it. You know, our truck team is extremely versed in off-road. Um, they, they have a, a strong passion and knowledge in it. And, and so for us and for Chevy right now, I mean, it, it really is an indication of, you know, plowing new roads and where we want to take the brand. What does off-road performance mean to you, mean to GM? Obviously, personally, I'm very passionate about it. It's been something that I do on the side for fun. You know, yeah, I as I say, uh, the first time I ever rode with you uh, was in, uh, I think, Chad Hall's race truck uh, over when we were testing prior to uh, Vegas to Reno when that vehicle had been launched. And you're actually a pretty good driver off-road. Uh, thank you. I know you're a good track driver, but I was, I was impressed that the, uh, the guy known for the car programs was actually pretty good off-road, too. <laughs> Yeah, well, some of the guys that have repaired the trucks would probably disagree with you on that. But. <laughs> when you're looking at a off-road program and, and, and looking at targets that you want to hit, is it about horsepower? Is it about suspension? Is it about tires? Is it about protection? Is it about all those things? Is there a priority? Or is it just a holistic feel of the vehicle? Does, does the General Motors product have a feel where if I got in blindfolded, I would know that that was one of your vehicles because... You have a certain feel that you're trying to hit. That's a great question. And, and, and really, to kind of give you an idea of how we look at it for trucks, it's the same as we do cars. I mean, if you look at our high-performance cars, it's a balance. I mean, we do so much computer modeling and simulation. I, I tell you, we know our Nürburgring lap times. We know our, our racetrack times before we ever put the first part on a car, right? But what we look at is it's, it's not about... The big engines you see some of our competitors just sticking a, right. a large engine in a vehicle mm-hmm. and you know, there's a cool factor to yeah. that but that's not us our, what we do is the best the fastest all-around most integrated product and we found that sometimes that when you look at the, the improvements in lap times they don't come from adding 50 horsepower they come from better grip better performance better driver i was gonna say better driver <laughs> yeah <laughs> and well i mean the vehicle makes you a better yeah. driver right in the end and we've used that same philosophy with trucks. I mean, we were looking at the overall performance of the vehicle. You know, driver fatigue. You know, if somebody's getting the daylights beat out of them, they're going to be fast for maybe yeah. a short amount of time. But then uh, over time, that's going to drop off. I, I think um, especially in the off-road side, right? I mean, you can have a fast vehicle, but if it beats you up, it, there's anybody who hasn't been racing in Baja or desert racing, if you've ever been a co-driver or navigator, um, it's amazing how you could be going – 50, 60, 70 miles an hour over whoops, violently, things flying through the, you know, where the windshield used to be, and you'll be nodding off because <laughs> you're in this rhythm in the vehicle. And people are like, this is an extended, you know, 100 of miles, you know, like car crash. So, Holman, that had to be super embarrassing because you nodded off while you were doing like 100 miles an hour off-road. Oh, you mean when uh, Josh Hall uh, went through the cactus garden and it kicked up a bunch up. of cactus? <laughs> woke me up by having cactus come through the missing windshield and stick yes. to my race suit? Yeah, that, that But why were you up. falling asleep? No, you just, you get into these like... You're not a baby in a car seat, you know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, I, I seriously, um, you know, for all the crap that you're talking, you need to go out, strap yourself in, and then see if you can last 400 miles miles off-road without nodding off. Well, I, no, I won't nod off. 
I would put a thousand dollars that I would not off. Ooh, that's. A, I mean, we have to get you in a racetrack for a I'm long. I'm dead serious. You know, what we should do thousand miles. I would not off. We should get you in the back seat of the uh, of the race truck of the Chevy race truck for an entire race. In the back seat? Yeah, that has yeah. to be brutal. There are three seaters. So you sit? No, no. You sit in the back seat in the middle. Okay. And then your feet go between the front two seats. Okay. Yeah. Any day in a heartbeat. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fall asleep though, mm. because I know me. I don't fall asleep. If mm. if if you drove from see that's the uh, difference. Like for I, me, I go on an airplain, I'm asleep immediately. White noise, yeah, bam, gone. From here, if I'm dri- if I'm driving yeah. to New York, yeah. from L.A. Well, if I'm driving, I don't. I fall will asleep. go to where I black out. Like I yeah, don't. No, just, I, I do don't. This, oh, I'm gonna take a nap. No, no, I, I, I do will, the same I thing too. I can. Th- I drive a thousand miles straight. Like I'll start seeing things on the road. But even in the passenger seat. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. All, all, all I know is it's it's uh, it's a weird sensation, and anybody who's been racing who has had that happen, it's just it's just odd. You, it's it's all the white noise, all the vibration, all the movement. It's almost uh, comforting. Can you get me into that center seat? Might be able to. Hmm. hmm. I wonder if I would get sick in the center seat. I mean, you will get sick if uh, you are prone to getting sick on like roller coasters. And I'm, stuff. I'm not. But I know that in the front seat, I won't get sick. Yeah. In the back is, seat, I could get sick. Mm, I don't know. Uh, that's if hard. there's a lot of air hitting me, I'll be okay. Well, there's no air because it's got all the glass still. Ugh. And the AC's on, so it's nice oh, and cool inside, okay. which is which is bitching. Uh, this truck is not like the old uh, you know windowless trucks that we used to have. So I don't know. Uh, I, I think the key, really the key to not being sick is being engaged, looking out the window, mm-hmm. watching the horizon. And, just, and that comes with not sleeping. It's just easy. <laughs> yeah, but if you're sleeping, you don't care. You don't, yeah. you know, yeah. I got to set that up. You got to, you got to set that up. It's, it's, that's, that's what, definitely bucket list What's for me. worse, sleeping or barfing? I've barfed in my helmet oh. before. That's gnarly. Oh, oh really? Oh, oh dude, no. Horrible. Barfing is way worse. First time I ever what went off the There's no comparison. Yeah. I'd, I'd rave fall asleep. Yeah. I, I, totally, totally fall yeah, asleep I, I, The first time I ever went was the- Why uh, did you throw up? Terrible 250. It was about 110 outside, okay. and uh, we were in Josh Hall's old yellow Hummer. So it's hot and you're heat exhausted, and well, you're going to Well, we started at 7 in the morning, and so I was fine. I was drinking water, and one of the guys came up to me and said, listen, um, have you eaten yet? I said, no, I don't really eat breakfast. He goes, well, you need to eat something because you got to get in the truck. I'm like, no, I think I'm good. He goes, no, eat this Cliff Bar. And then a friend of ours, Bob Bauer, who's a well-known guy in the industry, Bob was co-writing too with me, and he's like, "Hey, uh, don't trick your body. Do whatever you normally do." I'm like, uh, "I just had a cliff bar." He's like, "Yeah, that's probably a bad idea." And uh, I was paying attention. They had, um, I want to say, three and a half or four inch Fox shocks on the Hummer because it was so big, and they had heat sensors on it. So in the telematics machine, the computer on the dash were shock temperatures, and it was already so hot. And that thing weighed like eighty seven, eighty eight hundred pounds in race trim. Oh, it's heavy. It was so heavy that we had to watch the shock temps because they had gotten to a point where they were melting seals. Oh crap! And so my f- and already in the in the Hummer the the cowl is really high and you sit really low, and then the guy who normally sits there Thad Stump was super tall. What's his name? Thad Stump. He <laughs> worked yeah, engineer at General Motors. Okay. Cool, cool guy. And uh, but he's so tall that he can see out. Now I'm I'm down here, and the cowl is like here. So I'm oh, I'm missing. You're not seeing this. I'm you're not, not looking at the horizon. horizon. I'm looking uh, at the computer. Blah. Now oh, yeah. I'm getting sick just thinking about that. So, but this is this is how I got to ride with the halls a lot. Is Josh Hall um, when I'm racing? He sees me getting like I'm. He's like, "Hey, you okay?" I'm like, "Yep." You know, I must have oh. swallowed it like three times, right? Okay. I'm like, and yeah, there's, yeah. there's only so many times you can do that. And eventually, I just Ralphed all over my beard, the inside of my oh. helmet, just everywhere, right? And he's like, "Oh, we're, you know," gets on the radio. We're coming into pit. And I'm like, no, we're not. And he looks at me and goes, what? I'm like, dude, we're racing. He goes, are you okay? I'm like, I will be. <laughs> so we ended up r- racing my my whole, um, the whole time I scheduled to be in the How'd truck. How'd you get it out of your beard? 
Desert Air. No, no, uh, so it just no dried it out and then you got yeah, all the dust off. Yeah. All the dust made like a uh, barfsicles and it just uh, like <laughs> all, all came off, you know, just all that vibration oh. in the truck. Oh. So anyway, um, oh. I did not get out of the truck. Yeah. Josh ended up winning that race. The following, uh, thanks to you. The, yeah. The, fo- yeah right. <laughs> uh, the following Baja 1000, everybody's riding with his dad, Rod, but my name was on the door of his truck again. And all the journalists were with Rod. And he said to everybody that- This is the guy that barfed. Yeah, no, he, he goes, uh, Sean's riding in my truck because he proved himself. He's one of the toughest co-drivers I've ever had. And so he, I always rode with him and he trusted me because he knew no matter what, I was going to get out and I wasn't ballast. That's the important thing. I would change a tire if I barf. It doesn't matter. We're racing. Like we're going. And so that's how I earned my way. And I raced with him a whole bunch of times and for a bunch of consecutive Bajas and it was awesome. And so it was all because I proved myself by barfing and sticking with it. And I'll tell you, 110 outside racing- Barfing? That's no, misery. Awful. Misery. Absolute awful. Pure misery. And uh, <laughs> I just said, you know what, dude? But I, you're I, here in an air-conditioned uh, studio to talk about it. Well, the thing is, is that, you know, it's one of those bucket list things. You're like, I don't care if I'm dying. No, it I'm was literally a bucket list item. It was a barf yeah. bucket yeah. list yeah. item. <laughs> exactly. So so anyway, that, that's uh, that's a gnarly side story yeah. of, of uh, racing. But. All right, let's uh, jump back into Mark Dickens. But you'll find yourself in this rhythm where you'll, you'll get sleepy because- Vehicle and fatigue is a real part of you know performance, really. Yeah, and and it's interesting because I, I should I, say vehicle cause fatigue. And a lot of stuff we do ends up going, you know, it's a daily driver too. Yeah, right? I mean we're selling stuff that right, that leaves the the, the showroom and, and not doesn't just go to the desert. And I think you know like ZR2 is a perfect indication of what we call the three legged stool. But I mean, I you can hit the numbers on a horsepower, you can hit the numbers on wheel travel. I mean, I could find one thing to have bragging rights to win. I mean, but fundamentally, it's the integration of all that stuff together. And I think you'll see that. You drive a ZR2, it, it's great off-road, but it's great driving to work on Monday. Yeah. And, and to be able to accomplish that, it takes that level of focus. We look at Chad Hall's uh, ZR2 race truck, which has all of the GM performance bits all over it or Chevy performance parts on it um, that, that were co-developed with Hall Racing and, and that vehicle, and he's got license plates on it. That's right. And he can drive it on the street, yet for the last almost two racing seasons, that vehicle has completed every single race it started. The durability aspect of it is important as well. And I think you're right. I mean, even our highest performance performance parts still take driver comfort into account. And you know, fundamentally, the, the, the partnership that we've had with Chad and the ability to test in the desert, you know, I mean, I think we've got over 10,000 miles of, of testing and racing over I think 3,500 miles now of racing in the desert with those parts. I mean, just of competitive kind of racing. I mean, that truck racing. is winning too. It's not just completing races. That truck is winning. Um, what are some of the things I remember when I was racing with the halls in the mid 2000s with Hummer, especially on the H2, the H3, there were changes that were made to the production line of those vehicles that were learned from racing. What are some of the things fast forward to today on the ZR2 that maybe have um, influenced the production vehicle specific to things that you learned in, in, a, in a high demand environment like desert racing? Yeah, I would say that the connection between racing and taking those learnings and back into production is probably the closest of anything I've worked on in my, my career. Um, we, we are working very closely with their advanced portfolio development teams and they are looking at the things that we've learned and changed or whatever. I'd like to be able to explain to you what, what those have driven into, but I can't, unfortunately. But, but certainly, 
the, this hey, you is can't an blame a guy for trying, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was actually kind of subtle that time. <laughs> um, that time. Yeah. It's early in the morning here, and we're not drinking, so <laughs> yet. No, no chance. But uh, but fundamentally, you know, we've we've had that that um, ability. This is an engineering-driven racing relationship that's awesome. I mean, when we were able, you know, the engineers that, you know, from the performance team that are actually developing the parts are actually at their race crawling underneath the trucks at pit stops and checking the parts during a race. We're not waiting to the end of the race to see if something, when did it happen? What, you know, how did that happen? You know, et cetera. They're integrally uh, entwined with his team, sometimes slowing him down just a tad, you know, in the process. <laughs> but, you know, it's a development process. And, and, and it, I tell you. It's real-time it, R&D, really. It is. And thank God for a, dri- a driver and team owner like Chad, because it, you could not do this without that. But right. if, if they all they cared about was getting out there right away and yeah. not working together as a team, that relationship wouldn't work as it is. So, I mean, this has been just a really strong winning relationship. I want to talk about the, the military side of the business, because you also mentioned that you have that now. We have a yeah. ton of guys listening to the podcast right now who are active military, former military. Um, I think that they would like to hear a little bit of the inside of what GM's doing on the military side. In fact, Yuma Proving Grounds, for those of you who don't know, is actually on an active military base. It's funny, the guys, you'll see C-130s you know, flying overhead, the paratroopers. On a windy day, they'll get blown over into the GM Proving Grounds. And so last time I was here, <laughs> you guys were talking about how... Uh, you know, you'll pick them up and bring them to the gate, and by the time you got them to the gate, there's a, uh, a military vehicle waiting to take them back to base. But um, obviously, being on a base has its advantages. You can't fly drones over. You know, spy photographers aren't buying uh, land next to your track and taking pictures, <laughs> and you can be a little bit further removed. But there's always been a very, you know, tight General Motors and U.S. military, whether it was, you know, square body cuck Vs or you know, parts of tanks and artillery and things that people don't know that GM has a, a piece in. What is the military business like today, and and, and what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's, that's a, you know, the, the history is so strong. I mean, if you, you, know, you go back, you know, during war times, you know, um, General Motors, you know, converted its plants. I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it's core to this company, and we have been, you know, whether it be, GM Defense back, you know, up until I think the early 2000s when, when we stopped, you know, we sold off the defense. We still did um, DOE work. We've been, you know, engaged with the government on, on and still doing other, um, you know, special important vehicles that you see. Uh, it, SIVs is what we'll call those from the <laughs> uh, special important vehicle. And, and uh, I mean, so what, it, it's really cool. I mean, I think one of the things you're going to get a chance to see here when we're out here is we have one of our Border Patrol trucks. And it really gives you an idea of the, you know, of the connection between the learnings and our philosophy then and how it maps back into what we're doing today. And, and so a really exciting thing for me personally is to be able to see like ZR2 through. And I, I personally just wanted, I, it just, it seemed to me as we were going through the program, like, man, is there any way we can tie this back and sell it to special forces or, you know, how do we tie this back in to, to help our troops and keep them safe? And uh, it's been really exciting to see the opportunities. And I don't know if you've seen this infantry squad vehicle ISV program where we've basically taken a ZR2 chassis from the waist down, I call it, and it has all of the best in the desert racing components on it. And we put a military body on top that carries nine passengers. And wow. it's 70% commercial off-the-shelf parts, which is just amazing. You can go in, into any store, in a Chevy dealership across the globe, and buy the parts for the chassis for this vehicle. 
and fundamentally we're able to take that and create an amazing uh, military vehicle that's you know we've already we just recently were awarded the prototype business for for that program congratulations thank you yeah we're really excited um, and fundamentally it's a chance to leverage that learning that we have and apply it different you know now again like like off-road performance we're getting back into the defense business so you know there's there's adaptations of things that we do that we have to learn and you know take into the account and this is great we have I forget how many veterans that work in our company. It's a huge group, and we've created a team just like these high-performance cars where I have just yesterday we had a question on something. Hey, send a note out to our veterans, and let's get the, mm-hmm. get the right person has that experience here to help us. You know, Come and show us where you store rucksacks and yeah. how do you, how how does, do you how use do you the use this Yeah, It's yeah, not, not exactly. good enough to just have a vehicle, but if it's not set up the right way, there's going to be pain points and you want to make it, you know, for these guys, there's already pain points where they're going. You want to make it as comfortable and functional as possible so that they can accomplish their missions. Again, it goes back to, it's not one advertisable number of horsepower. It's not wheel travel alone. It's the combination of the full integration that, that, you know, gets that soldier capable to drive in the situations that they're going to drive in with, you know, the terrain that they're going to go through. I mean, all this stuff works together. I mean, the, the, the really cool thing is the integration of the electronic locking uh, axles front mm-hmm. and rear. Yeah. And all-wheel drive, all-time all, um, automatic all-wheel drive. Yep. And how do we integrate that and make that, you know, hey, you can flip on the fly, switch to four-wheel By the drive. way, those are two things about ZR2 uh, that, you know, I don't know if everybody knows, but you do have a front and rear locker. Right. You do have a regular center differential lock in your four-high mode on the transfer case, but you also have an auto four-wheel drive mode, which isn't really offered anywhere else in that class, especially at that performance level, where if you're gonna go snowboarding for the weekend up in the mountains or something, you have all wheel drive for the pavement that you can use. And a lot of that technology came from the Hummer H3. We had that, I mean, years and years and years ago to, to see it be reintroduced and that type of capability where, you know, I think a lot of manufacturers focus on, oh, we need it to be really off-road centric, but they don't think of the on-road capability. So you may have the world's best off-road rig, but you can't get up a snowy road to your cabin or to go snowboarding or to do whatever you're going to do. You guys are bringing a vehicle to the table that has not only the off-road capability, but also enhanced on-road capability as well, which I think is sort of different than the philosophy of a lot of other people. And to be able to have that into a military vehicle right off the shelf and integrate that is I mean, it really, I think, sets us apart and gives us a great opportunity. And, and, you know, as we map forward from here, where do we go from here? You know, we're not done. We're nowhere near done. And, uh, you know, we're really going to just keep growing. You know, we're real excited about our full-size pickup truck that's came out. And we just look at this and say, hey, what what kind of opportunities are there? And how does that map through? Uh, For the record, Phil, our PR guy, is looking at me. I did not ask that question. Mark (laughs) is completely throwing that out there. So I think he's teasing us right now. So, all right. Well, I, I appreciate your time, and uh, as always, it's, it's it's great to hang out, and uh, always have a great time when uh, when we get together. And I appreciate you having us in early to kind of talk about some uh, some of these things. And uh, when the time comes, we'll release those interviews out on the podcast. But for now, appreciate your insight as to uh, what you're up to these days. Uh, thank you, Sean. So he's a heavyweight. Well, yeah, big time heavyweight, and uh, just a hell of a nice guy. Super smart. Definitely a good guy to have in your corner. Yeah, we weren't even going to have this uh, interview on this show, but they released the embargo early. And what? So, embargo. So we we were able to combine <laughs> the next interview with this one, and so um, really stoked they had us out early. 
kind of scrambled a little bit to get all the stuff ready for today's show because oh, we, I wasn't planning on it. I wasn't planning on running until SEMA when the truck got debuted. But anyway, they put out a press release, embargo's open. The next interview is with uh, Tom Gearman, who uh, is one of the uh, head engineers over the race program. And we actually do a walk around on the new 2020 Silverado race truck. All right, so this is Holden, and I am standing at GM's Yuma Proving Grounds out in the... Uh, I guess the Bay Area, uh, staring at one hell of an awesome race truck, and I'm out here with... No, wait a minute. You're in the Bay Area? I know, right? Or you're, no. or you're in Yuma. I don't understand. Yeah, we're you're in Yuma, San Francisco, in the or Service in... Bay. No, no, no. Oh, the... Not... Oh. Yeah, Service Bay at the Proving Grounds. <laughs> awesome yeah, right. race truck, and I'm out here with GM engineer Tom Gearman, and what is your official title? Uh, my official title is I'm the Engineering Group Manager of Performance Off-Road and Integration. So what you're telling me is you probably have one of the best jobs at General Motors. It can be a very good job, yes. <laughs> Uh, we met previously on the ZR2 race program with uh, with the Halls. Yes. It looks like you guys are back in with them. We've got the new T1 platform, which is the all-new Chevy Silverado. And uh, you guys have built the next-generation truck with next-generation technology. And for some reason, I don't know why, you decided to bring us in super early. Yeah, I think that was uh, one of the things we learned from last time working with you on the ZR2 is that uh, if we could bring you in on a project and show you even an earlier version of our off-road uh, offering that we're going to do with the new Silverado and just kind of show you how we start very raw and work our way into a, a good performing off-road vehicle. So the truck that I'm standing in front of right now is a crew cab 6210 speed Silverado 4x4 and uh, it's going to be campaigned in Best in the Desert. I believe uh, you guys are aiming for the Parker race and yes. then with a debut at SEMA yes. in, in a month and a half or so. I believe that is the plan. And so this is the first time that even Chad Hall uh, has, has driven the truck and I had a chance to drive with him earlier. And uh, you guys have basically done all the computer analysis and got the shocks up to probably 80, 85%. This is the first time the truck is really going together uh, in one piece so that uh, you can test it as, as a complete package. Let's start with the changes. Um, I'll just describe the truck really quick, crew cab, short box, uh, 35 inch tires, obviously we'll talk about the suspension changes, it's got a BF Goodrich, uh, Mud Terrain, TA KM3s on it, um, 18 inch wheels, some KC lights, it's got full, the interior's ready for race with the Parker pumpers and the Sparco seats and the roll cage which is awesome, third seat in the back, uh, so basically this is like the big brother to the Colorado race truck, so uh, let's start wherever, uh, wherever you feel comfortable. Yeah, so what we did with this truck is really use all of our learnings from the Best in the Desert or ZR2 off-road uh, truck that, that we learned on here the last, starting 2017 Vegas Torino. So same formula where we're you know, using a very good uh, DSSV damper, kind of a, a Frankenstein damper, if you will, at the moment. Sure. Uh, but it is uh, very early for us, so it's our really first big take at a uh, what we consider maybe not our ultimate goal, but what, what we wish for. Sure. Be careful what you wish for sometimes, <laughs> right? Well, uh, I'll describe the dampers too. They uh, look like Folger's coffee cans, uh, the bodies of them anyway, or, or Foster's beer can maybe. Yeah, yeah. They're massive. With the DSSV, if you're not familiar with the technology, on the ZR2, it's a triple body. This is a triple body, but it's arranged quite differently. The main body is larger, much, much. We're not going to go into specific specs yet. We'll do that at a later date, but much, much bigger rod, much, much bigger piston. Uh, and then on the ZR2, there's, is it two zones? And on this truck, you're using three zones. Three zones ZR2 and three okay. zones in this truck. Um, it's just this damper is runs parallel spool valves. 
So this so, is not your traditional monotube shock that has the shims, a, a shim stack controlling. This is the new DSSV that debuted on Colorado Zero Two from Multimatic Mesa. These are spool valves, and I think we've uh, talked to uh, Michael at uh, Multimatic in the past, as well as uh, Jason Goderman wrote a great article in Truck Trend that you find at trucktrend.com or fourwheeler.com about how a spool valve shock, uh, specifically the ZR2 shocks work. These are the next generation ideas of where you can take that technology and you're going to prove them out on the racetrack. Exactly, and what we've done is worked with Multimatic and, and schemed what would this, what would a real off-road offering damper look like? Uh, and real meaning uh, big loads, uh, racing specific, and uh, you know just something to, to shoot for and develop. And so this one is, like I said, it's six spool valves, but they're all two spool valves per zone. So the, the load capability of these are very high. And uh, as you know, when you rode around in it today, yeah. uh, you know, out of the box, just from some initial analytic calculations and some tuning on some dynos in England, uh, coming back to this truck, it's, it's pretty close. We got to make a few changes, obviously. Uh, but we'll do that and uh, we'll be ready to race. Yeah, it's, it was amazing. We took it out on Suaro Trail, so hopefully we'll have a, a little little piece of information on what that means, but six, six mile uh, off-road desert loop that GM has out here at the Yuma Proving Grounds. And uh, with Chad at the wheel and that 6.2, and this has the performance exhaust and a few tweaks, horsepower, torque numbers are better than stock. Truck felt great, even with the 35s. The 10 speed's fantastic. I think this truck is gonna change in terms of racing from the Colorado because of the horsepower. There's so much more you can do. It's way faster and also a lot more travel. And I know we're not going to talk about specs, but I at ride height, the rear shocks are about uh, three of my hands uh, uh, wide is about how much a rod is showing. So, you know, figure that out if you can extrapolate the data. So the shocks, I noticed uh, some of the changes that you guys have versus the Colorado's on the Colorado truck, they're all self-contained. Here you actually have additional reservoirs, but it's not for the oil, it's for the gas. Gas. And yep. uh, they're like in a heat exchanger, finned package. Uh, they're, they're fairly large, they look like an additional reservoir, but the way the Multimatic uh, spool valve shocks work is that there's check valves, so you're using 100% of the fluid because it only goes in one direction, unlike a traditional shock where it goes in and out of the reservoir. So you guys are managing heat and have a lot of oil volume that you can access, so you don't really need the res reservoir for that, well, you're using additional uh, nitrogen, I'm guessing, in there. Yeah, so the spool valves are all contained in the damper body itself, and then the reservoir is just holding the gas for us. And then we were talking earlier that you guys are using a proprietary uh, fluid in these shocks. It's different than anything that's out there. We don't have to go into a lot of details, but just curious about how the technology of thinking, oh, you know, a different fluid gives us what we need uh, for the challenging desert environment and for heat dissipation and, and all of those types of things. I think that's the whole point of R&D is, is taking known concepts and putting them on their, their head a little bit, trying to figure out new ways to approach it. Yeah, and that's what we did with uh, partnering. Uh, Hall's partnered with uh, Mobile One, and we reached out to Mobile One and, and gave them a specs of what we were looking for, and then they reached into the inventory of their fluids and, and recommended uh, this hydraulic fluid for us. Uh, it's a damper, is nothing more than a hydraulic piston. Sure, yeah. So uh, that's what we're running is a, is a Mobile One recommended hydraulic fluid in it. It's, it's a full synthetic and... Uh... How cool is that? Like they're using a aircraft grade hydraulic fluid inside their shocks, not your typical shock fluid. Like they figured out, hey, uh, Mobile One's a sponsor of the halls, right? Hall racing. Right. And we think our shocks will perform better if they meet these criteria, this standard. 
And Mobile One said, oh, hold on, let's check out our catalog. Yep, we have something. It's a hydraulic <laughs> shock fluid. Well, it turns out that because the proving grounds are out by the army base and the airport, they had some. They had some locally, and they just go buy it in a five gallon drum, and they it's this. Nobody's using aircraft grade hydraulic fluid in their racing shocks, but if you think about it, now they are. A shock is a hydraulic piston, right? Sure. Like so, it's just to me, it's fascinating that thought process, and it's like, yeah, we're going to go use a synthetic. So what it does is it helps keep the shock temps down, and if you think of all the ranges an aircraft has to operate in, and the heat and the cold. And sure. All, so you have to have a fluid that's really specialized. Well, here they are using it in desert racing. I just thought that was really cool. I was really impressed with a how much more travel this truck has over. Yeah, and I, I raced the inaugural Vegas Reno race, as you know, with the Colorado in 17 mm -hmm. when it came out. Yes. But being able to be in this truck, feel the horsepower, feel the wheel travel, but still feel that sort of special multimatic feel. It doesn't quite feel like anything else. We've talked about this on the show before, but the, the spool valves have a, 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 I guess, a more like a hydraulic bump stop feel where toward the end of the travel, they stiffen up, but not in a harsh way where they're able to dissipate an incredible amount of heat and a very small amount of stroke at the end of the travel. And it's even better with this truck because you have so much overhead to work with and so much more travel than what you would on the Colorado platform. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you're running through the three zones we talked about before, right? And so your ride zone, which for us is the just normal off-road mode in this shock. And then when we do go into the, the big bumps, whether it's uh, in the rebound side or the jount side, or bump side is a better way to put it, I guess. That's where we start hitting those other sets of spool valves to help slow down in both directions. And with the increased capacity that we're seeing in this uh, development damper, that uh, it's capable of a lot. And uh, of course, we run in jount shocks in this truck as well, and we'll tune that into the into the suspension systems as well. It doesn't matter how good of a suspension you, you have if you don't have a solid chassis and a platform. Working off the new T1 platform, for you looking at suspension tuning and chassis tuning, what are the benefits that you guys have gleaned by having a truck that is so stiff and, and such a, uh, a robust platform to begin with? Yeah, and I think robust is a good term there. It's not unlike the ZR2 when we were with this new Silverado. The production team in Warren has delivered us a truck that's uh, very capable of being morphed into a, an off-road truck. So we're working on the backbone of, of that initial T1 development. and. Uh, Really like it. It's, it's working really good so far. So what are some of the other changes that you've done to convert the stock truck that it started out of into the race truck? Chad Hall's had it for a couple months and has put a roll cage into it. And we've uh, taken it in here uh, maybe a week ago and started updating our parts uh, into it from our motorsports development uh, work that we're doing. And uh, other than that, it's really a stock truck, right? I mean, it's, it's the ZR2 play. We don't want to get away from what uh, General Motors has developed because it's a great platform, just like you said. And of course, this is going to be racing in the stock full class. Stock full, 1200. So you want to keep it as stock as possible. Yes. And also be able to use it so that the, the learnings you have out on the race course are going to be applied in production the way that you have in the, with Colorado and the way that you did in the back in the day with the Hummer H3 and H2 race trucks where the Halls raced those and the engineering team was embedded with the race team and learned a lot that was able to make the production trucks even better. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and this time around with the Silverado, we've engaged a much bigger uh, engineering team back in, in Warren to, to work on this truck. So we're driving the learnings uh, from Colorado and ZR2 back into this platform. and. Uh, yeah, we'll continue on with it. It's going to be good. I told Chad when we were talking earlier, I said, you're going to be uh, the envy of everybody on the race course. You have power windows, a windshield, 
and working air conditioning. Yes. Uh, that's pretty That's pretty solid. I mean, you can't get much more uh, stock stock full than that, right? Yeah, that is right. And I, I am adamant, and I think Chad Hall is more adamant than I, that when we leave the garage here in Yuma, that the AC must be working. <laughs> well, I'm excited to, uh, to see it introduced at SEMA. Obviously, uh, a lot more information will come out about it then. We really, really appreciate being uh, able to have early access to it to, to check it out in person. And like you said, this is very early in the development. So for us to be able to see how you guys approach a special vehicle program like this, and, and I'm excited to see what changes by the time it's in race ready form. You know, you have a lot of work ahead of you, but oh, yeah. I think the foundation is solid and, and the workmanship on the truck is unbelievable. Yeah, no, we've been working through both shifts out here at Yuma, uh, Austin, a couple more engineers, and uh, the techs out here have been great, and we'll, we'll make sure that we get it done and get it out as soon as we can. All right, well, hopefully you'll see you on the race course pretty soon. All right, we will. Sean Holman, live from the Yuma Proving Grounds. Desert General Proving Motors, Desert Proving Grounds in Yuma. Why can't it just be the... Yuma I don't name grounds. it. I'm just trying to get it right. Desert Proving Grounds at Yuma. So I, the journalist in Desert me. Yuma? What is it? Desert General Pro- Motors Desert Proving Grounds, Yuma. Yuma. Okay. So it's Yuma. comma Yuma. I guess. I don't okay. know. I, I, we're, we could be making that up. I just know there's <laughs> Desert Proving Grounds in there somewhere. Well done. So Yeah, no. So it's super cool. We got invited out early. That That's huge. And being able to not only see the truck, most people are going to SEMA and they're going to see the truck for the first time. I had a chance to ride in it already and to feel the shocks in action and to feel all that horsepower and the 10-speed the and the truck in race form and you know, tease you guys with a little sound clip of it from the inside from, from last week and feel the jounce shocks, all that stuff. I mean, it was just it was a really great experience. Obviously, uh, hanging out with Mark Dickens is always a pleasure. He's uh, But this is not awesome. the final product, though. Like, this no. is... Hmm. No, this is, uh, this is the race truck. And... Uh, as Tom alluded to, as I alluded to, as Mark alluded to, this isn't the end. You know, nobody can officially say that there's going to be anything else after it, but they're not spending all this time to have a one-off Silverado. They're just not. And um, I, I think being able to sample the prototype high-capacity Multimatic DSSV shocks, the second generation, is huge. Bigger capacity, bigger shafts, more travel. I, I think that this could be as good as the DSSVs are in the Colorado. This is next level. Hmm. This can be GMs. I'm not quite going to say Raptor. I'm not going to quite say Ram TRX, but this is certainly technology-wise playing in that field. I'm inspired. So the uh, the truck's first race is supposed to be the Laughlin Desert Classic, and uh, it'll also be uh, racing with the Colorado. So Frank D'Angelo will be uh, driving that, and Chad will be moving up from the uh, from the Colorado into the Silverado. And that's going to be in uh, January. Yeah, you know what's funny is why can we go to that? Probably, yeah. Uh, I mean, was... probably. I, I I feel like now every show I'm saying. Holman, can we do this? Can we do that? I'm and, not your and, keeper. Well, no, I realize that. And I have a but busy schedule, so I, I don't know what my schedule's going to be. But so you're I don't wanna... getting invited to things. I can't. I... You know me. I cannot commit more than like three weeks in advance. Sure. I just can't because of everything that's but happening. But that's why I'm concerned because <laughs> 2020 be. is coming, and I want to make sure that we do as much as we can. L- I, I know that if, if unless there's something major, uh-huh. we're doing the Gambler 500. Okay. We have to. Okay. We're doing I that. It. I got it. People people get it. And the, right. They hear you. They okay. hear you. And here's right. the deal. The Colorado's year two has been racing since 2017. It's only one of four out of 434 vehicles to finish all 12 of the best in the desert races it competed in. What I'm telling you is there's going to be opportunities. If it's not that race, it'll be another race. We'll figure it out. But you know me. My schedule's insane. Like, I don't even know how we get a podcast out once a week. And you probably don't either. 
It's painful. <laughs> it's, it's painful. It's painful. I mean, it's we're both super busy. We just yeah. we do this because we love it. We need to figure out how to do the enjoyment part better. Yeah, you know, like not that we don't enjoy this, but like getting out and doing things. It's just it's you know juggling all the all the other stuff. <sighs> well, listen, two full time jobs, two different listen, companies, listen, families. I know, but guys, are like maybe you feel like we're whining because a lot of guys have two jobs. No, so no, no I'm is... not. I'm not whining. I love my job. I love what we do. I love putting the time into the podcast and everything. I'm just saying it's hard to commit to anything more than. What I already have on my but plate. But I want you to. But I want to see my family. <laughs> I don't care. I know. Your wife will understand if we have got to, we've got to go off-roading. She only understands for about a year. Yeah. And we're, we're up on that. <laughs> All uh, right. So here's my question for you. What's new in trucks? What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Oh, you had the leg you lift that, on that you? one. Huh? That, I was not expecting that. So I was holding my buns doing the Mike Condor. Yeah, and, and I, had the leg I threw lift. my leg up and I yelled. The leg was higher than the microphone, which my back really hurts right now because I did something that was not smart. I and I pulled yelled, your spleen. I yeah, or my gallbladder. Uh, and I yelled under my leg. That was impressive. <laughs> like it was one of those things where, like Toby Keith style. Mm-hmm. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm good once as I always was. Right. <laughs> that was my once right there. Okay. All right. Oh. What you got? I know that there was uh, some Colorado news, right? Yeah, yeah. There, uh, but shouldn't we talk about the elephant in the room first? There's an elephant in this room. Are yes. You, ta- are you talking about me? No, 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 no. You're talking no, about no. my fat no, ass? Oh, no, no, no. The whole what's news in trucks? We've had some uh, some listener feedback, and uh, uh, I unfortunately have to uh, tell you that. The tally marks are in your corner on that. <laughs> Good. We'll have to read them next time we Good. do uh, inbox because we've got quite a few people. I appreciate people, you guys sticking up for me. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Going back to the Colorado. Uh-huh. Uh, Chevy has put out a release. You don't mind if I have a uh, brownie, do you? Uh, there's not many left. Well, no, I'm yeah, just going to last one. Finish that up. All right. Uh, Chevrolet applies changes to the 2021 Colorado ZR2. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? I love it. It's just a, It's they put Chevrolet embossed the tailgate. And they put a Chevrolet Flogo style grill, like on the heavy duties. I don't on know the Colorado. I don't know why I love it. It has cheeks too. But I do. It has jowls. Uh, I like it. Do you like it? I really. I'm not even. Here's joking. what bothers me. So I didn't like it on the full size truck. Yeah. But, but I really like it here, and but, I think you guys will too. But I'm here's, serious. But the headlights look the same. They couldn't upgrade the freaking headlights. So the, the, the headlights should have been taller. No, the headlights should be LED or something. The headlights are oh, awful. Oh, I, I didn't know that you no, were talking so about the LED. No, so they're still HID, they're just, though. Are these not no, HIDs? No, they're, they're just halogens. halogens. That's why they're horrible. What? I love the truck. I had what? it for a year. I hate the headlights. And so what? They, they freshened what? up the front end, but they didn't even touch the headlights. Like, so here's what we're going to do. All right, so I, we're either going to talk to someone at... Oracle or Retrofit Source, one of the two of my favorite lighting companies, in the next couple episodes, and we'll bring up this truck right here. Because they have a lot of solutions for the the F-Series trucks. Yeah. Um, this, I think they've truck, got some- This is a great truck that just suffers from crappy headlights. There are a lot of them that seem to do that. You though. know what? But I, I rallied against the offset steering wheel, and uh, our friends over at General Motors fixed that for us. It only so. took them 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but only two years of me complaining about it publicly. Yeah. So let's just complain about the headlights and maybe they'll uh, fix those for us. Man, so I would like to see this front, this nose uh-huh. in the Bison edition. Well, so that's what's interesting. With a mallet 
supercharger. How will it work with the bison? Because the bison has its own bumper and stuff, and so the front end, I, I, I'll have to see it. I don't uh, know. I don't, I don't know, know if it'll work with the with the uh, AEV bumper. I'm sure that AEV's already got. I mean, they, oh, they sure. already have they, a preview they, they, well, to the truck, they, yeah, so they yeah, know what's up. Seen it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the the public will get the first hand look at the newish Colorado, um, and that'll be at the Method Race Wheels Laughlin Desert Classic, which is uh, October 10th, which was uh, a few days ago. How much money is Method putting up to host that race? I don't know. It's got to be uh, got to be. A lot. I, didn't, I didn't know they were that big. Uh, the hmm. uh, production intent Colorado Zero Two will be shown at SEMA. Well, let me see that. Wait, 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 wait. Let me see that other piece. This of paper. is uh, Chad Hall's Zero Two race truck let with the new this. front end on it. Yeah. Let me see the graphics. Oh, that's cool. Kind of a look, uh, sure. not ripped paint. It is kind of ripped paint. That's very yeah, 80s, like ter- isn't it? Yeah, graphic. Tear graphic, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, one of the new colors is this sort of cool, uh, I don't know, it's like a metallic desert tan. Yeah. So, hey, uh, on Chad Hall's truck right here is uh, yeah. KC Lights everywhere. Yeah. I forgot to tell you that we're talking to uh, someone from KC on an upcoming Do you episode. know their name? Uh, no, I can't remember. <laughs> it was, it's one of the, uh, it's not the founder, but it's he's damn close to being the founder. <laughs> is that his title when I he comes recall. on? I don't recall. I don't so, recall. So-and-so from KC Lights, who's damn close to being the founder. <laughs> Something like that. All right. Anyway, so in a nod to the trail boss, the uh, new ZR2 has, uh, in addition to its funky chef flow grill. I like it. Or flogo. It gets red painted tow hooks. Another nod to the trail boss. And uh, Chevy claims that the cosmetic changes improve visibility for ZR2 owners, but I'm not sure how unless they changed the hood and lowered it, but it looks the same. So hmm. I don't know. That was one of my things. The hood bulge on that truck is a little too high, so it was hard to see over the hood off-roading. I, I've uh, uh, never heard you uh, complain about a, uh, a bulge being too large. On the hood. <laughs> uh, there would be some cosmetic <laughs> changes among the volume-selling Colorado trims as well. The WT, the LT, and the Z71 all get upgraded grills, lower fascias, front skid plates, and there's going to be more differentiation among the uh, different Colorado trim levels. The WT and LT get gold-painted bow tie emblems up front, while the Z71, a black bow tie, and, of course, the uh, ZR2 gets the old Chevrolet. And then uh, the trucks get the tailgate with a stamped Chevrolet across the back, so that's cool. I mean, I kind of missed that. Mm-hmm. Not all the trucks look good that way, but I got to say this one does. Let me see the back end of this. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, it's good size, and it, it fits the truck well. It doesn't look like it's tacked on. It's a good-looking truck, dude. I don't yeah. know if I like the uh, the roof rack. Well, it's not oh, a roof optional. rack. It's not a roof rack. Yeah. What would you call that? It's a, pa- that, a headache. Well, it's their light, their light bar, their light sail, bar. sail panel, roll bar. What I would be more concerned about is durability of the finishes. I saw a ZR2 with that just yesterday driving down the road, and it was all sun-faded and stuff. Oh, already. really? Already? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, mm. And I remember when we had our long-term, they wanted to give us that package. I'm like, no. Nah. I don't want to block access to the bed. I like using my bed. Yeah. Hey, did you know that Ram just celebrated its 10th anniversary of becoming a standalone brand? I didn't know that. Yeah, so 10 years ago. But that's uh, when the brand got good. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. It used to be a division of Dodge. It yeah. was spun off into the, its own Ram division on October 4th, 2009, and now it's become, within 10 years, one of the automaker's most profitable and award-winning brands and Ram claims due to its decade of innovation. The reality is, is that Ram didn't have to share marketing and R&D dollars with Dodge Cars. The, Ram, the truck market took off, and they were able to invest in some seriously good product. And uh, as we've talked about on the show, Ram makes a an incredible, incredible truck right now. And I was uh, talking to my dad a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, actually, we were at Cars and Coffee. Okay. And I uh, saw a truck, I don't know, and he, it was a Ram. And I said, oh, man, that's, that's one of my favorite trucks on the road. And he looks at me as if I had just... Shot the Pope. Why would you shoot the Pope? And, <laughs> and he's like, how dare you? 
Really? Why? He had so many questions for me. How, how could you like a Chrysler product? And I thought, well, I guess technically it's a Chrysler product, but yeah. for, and I didn't say for a decade, but yeah. I did say it's been their own thing for a while. Yeah. Quality control and innovation R&D, and, R&D and, and all money, that and Marketing, stuff. yeah. He didn't care. Didn't yeah. want to hear anything. Having executives that to don't him, share car to stuff. To him, it was, the, it was the Chrysler K-car. Yeah, the K-car. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Just everything bad that amazing? Like that's That spoiled people even to this day. Uh, you know what's interesting is if you go through their press release here, and it's several pages, talks about uh, every year since 2009 of all the innovations that Ram has brought, you know, from Ram boxes to, you know, mega cabs to Laramie Longhorns redefining luxury, blah, 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 the eco diesel and a half ton, you know, all that stuff. But what's interesting- They have set the bar in many ways. Well, let me read one paragraph to you, because it took me a while of reading this press release- to find anything that was like newsworthy. I'm like, well, that's funny. This press release just sort of has milestones and it's cool to reminisce and to know, but is there any news in here? 2016, Ram Rebel TRX concept. 100 mile an hour off-road pickup. So you remember the Ram TRX concept. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ram Trucks amended its position as America's off-road truck leader with the introduction of the 2016 Ram Rebel TRX concept at the State Fair of Texas. In fact, uh, Jim Morrison uh, is the one who introduced that. And did try to do a burnout on stage and rolled all the carpet up around the tires. <laughs> and I'm like, that's why we are friends. I remember that story. Uh, the rapidly beating heart of the Ram Rebel TRX concept is a powertrain juggernaut, a 6.2 liter supercharged Hemi V8 with 575 horsepower. The most powerful Ram 1500 the company has ever built lays the groundwork of expectation. Here's the kicker. Here's the little nugget in this five, six, seven page press release. As part of the company's recently unveiled five-year plan, the Ram Rebel TRX concept has been approved for production. More information will be disclosed at a future date. Way future. <laughs> Way no, future. it's not five years later. No, 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 no. It's it's in the next year. I'm saying that was... No, that's just a five-year plan of everything that's happening. Right. They're just saying there's been a lot of conjecture. You've seen the spy photos. This is the first time the company has publicly said we're building the Ram TRX in production. Oh, I thought it was already kind of just known. I, mean, I guess not officially. Right, not officially. This is the first time they've really said that's happening. Or the guy who wrote that press release has been fired. Uh, he, he might be, but it's too late. <laughs> uh, but here's what's cool. It's out there. The Ram Rebel TRX concept had 575 horsepower. Yeah, which is pretty beefy. I hear the production truck's going to have a 707 horsepower Hellcat not detuned. Oh, my God. And the suspension to match. <laughs> so we have a joke in the office. We actually have a like a swear jar. And it says Raptor Killer on it. And every time somebody says Raptor Killer, you have to go put a dollar in the swear jar because it's so overused. You have $275 in there now? This could be the real thing. This might be the only vehicle that we allow somebody to say Raptor Killer. It's supposed to be that good. Hmm. So anyway, it's official. So if you're- uh, Remind me what the Raptor, the the current Raptor has roughly, give or take, horsepower. uh, It's 450-510. Okay. 450 and 510. 450 horsepower, 510 torque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so 707 horsepower. I mean, when I said 450, 510, yeah, just, just, Well, I just meant. want to make sure people don't think there's two power levels. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so anyway, if, you, uh, if you've if you been waiting, then uh, now is your time to uh, to get excited because within if the next year- If that was coming, that truck would have a $70,000 price tag minimum, right? Because mm, I, I will say that do my you, guess you know? is- Do you actually know? I- I have to be careful what I say. I would say that if you had $70,000, you would be able to buy a version of the truck. Oh, very interesting. I think you could- So you're not buying the fully loaded Hellcat version. Or are you? Oh. 
I'm saying oh. I, I'm saying you could go higher, you could go low. I'm just saying that that's probably in the right range. And that would I think be, you could I think you could make it a lot higher than that. And again, that would be a fifteen hundred, right? This one's going to be a twenty five hundred. Fifteen hundred. When's someone going to do this in a to a twenty five hundred series truck? Uh, that's what the aftermarket's for. Uh, but why why the OEs just say that's not because now you're getting to a hundred thousand dollar truck territory with a diesel. You have so much more stresses from a thousand pounds of engine hanging off the mm-hmm. front. Other than GM, you have solid axle, so there's so much more you know mass to control, um, a lot more fatigue. Uh, just heavier, less performance. So I think that you know GMC had a concept called the uh, All Terrain, which was a w- uh, what three quarter ton mm-hmm. Sierra um, that was built like that. It was basically a three quarter ton Raptor diesel. But the reality is, is that truck ends up being so expensive, you lose a lot of performance. I don't know if they're going to go there now. Ford just introduced the Tremor package on a Super Duty. That could very well be just a toe in the water to say, okay. We're not going full Raptor on this. What do you guys think, right? Yeah. yeah. But if it sells, maybe that inspires them. Because, listen, Ranger Raptor's coming with the next redesign of the Ranger. So you could have a Raptor family of vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe they're just testing the water. So I'm not going to say, no, it's not happening. But I'm definitely going to say that there's some barriers to entry in terms of cost and then just the overall feel of the product. Um, you could take a power wagon, put different shocks on it, and make it pretty damn capable. So, hmm. you know, I wonder if Rebel TRX comes and they do, okay, let's apply that suspension package to a power wagon, and then now you have something really special there, too. So, I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. So, I was getting, hmm. I, I got this email from uh, hmm. SEMA. You know, have you heard of that? Specialty Equipment Market Association, a uh, group for... Uh, shopkeepers and manufacturers who partake of the automotive aftermarket. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it has this Just graph. a bunch of words I said that mean nothing. It says that pickup upgrades account for 27% of total retail dollars. Oh, my gosh. Pickup upgrades are the Do largest- Do you remember when it used to be all imports? It used to yep. be all JDM stuff yep. and- Pickup upgrades are the largest sector of the specialty equipment industry, accounting for 27% of total retail dollars, followed by mid-range cars and SUVs, and that includes the Jeep Wrangler, so it's probably even skewed. This aligns with the composition of vehicles on the road. However, the industry at large offers a wide array of different products. Customer interest varies as such. Sales for all vehicle types contribute to the overall market. Um SEMA says that the specialty equipment industry is continuing to grow right now at a fast uh, at a fast pace. Last year, American consumers spent. Uh, care to guess? Oh, how much did American consumers spend on specialty aftermarket, specialty aftermarket parts for trucks specifically? Nope, just in general. Oh, oh, just in general. Yeah, everything for every. Oh, from mm-hmm. okay, from euros to American muscle to trucks. Okay. <sighs> okay, I think they spent. Two point two billion. How about forty four point six billion dollars? Excuse me, what? Forty four point six billion dollars. Good morning. <laughs> yeah, no Good doubt. Good morning. <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that for sure. Good morning. Yeah, Good well, morning. What I actually. Good morning. Mr. Spin. <laughs> yeah. Play that right there. <laughs> are you are you just pushing buttons randomly over there <laughs> on your console? Uh, they say that uh, through the end of the year, twenty nineteen, they expect it to continue growing. They expect retail sales to uh, top out at a nearly new high of $46 billion in 2019. Jump on in. There's room for more. That's 46 football stadiums. Ah. You know what a lot I'm of car do? parts. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave radio, and I'm going to get into automotive aftermarket, specifically trucks. And yeah. you know what? I'm you a diesel st- fan, so I'm going to go work at a diesel place. You should start a podcast. 
That's what I should do. A podcast on trucks. And aftermarket. And aftermarket things. And then I'll have a secure job. <laughs> and plenty of adoring fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's uh, that's all I got for uh, this week in What's New in Trucks. Not What's News in Trucks. Heard you all out there loud and clear. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think it's time to talk to our friends over at Gator Made Trailers. Welcome to the Gator Made family. We know you have many choices, and we want to thank you for the opportunity to be part of your success. At GatorMade, we value each and every customer like family. GatorMade is a privately held, veteran-owned company supported by hardworking blue-collar staff. Earning your business means so much more to us than just a sale. Our ultimate goal? To ensure your success by providing you with the best quality trailer for your hard-earned dollar. Visit GatorMade.com to view our large selection of big muscle trailers. All right, so that sounded like a commercial. It wasn't. I mean, it was a commercial, but I wasn't playing it for commercial reasons. No, it was, uh, it was uh, the kind of the intro into this segment because everybody's been asking us for, I don't know, a year? A, tra- a trailer or so, a towing yeah. or a tow or so. And because uh, there's so many people to talk to, we're going to have to break it up into a few different shows. But uh, one of our listeners said, hey, you should talk to a company called GatorMade. They're out mm-hmm. of Kentucky, and they make the big trailers that you can hook up to your you know, big uh, one-ton truck mm-hmm. to get the over 30,000-pound towing capability. And uh, he said they're great trailers. So I started doing a little bit of research, found out, as the audio says, privately held, veteran-owned. You know, I talked to uh, the operations manager, Sean, who we're going to have on in a moment, and he was talking about how important every customer's trailer is and how they know that the quality that goes into it, the way they build it, they know that you're either providing for a family or it's a, a it's more than just a piece of equipment for your farm, and they put a lot of pride into it. I'm like, let's let's talk to those guys. Well, I was watching a, a longer piece that we won't have time to play, but I, it was a comparison between GatorMade and another brand of trailer, uh-huh. and they had a couple of random, kind of like a... Um uh, the GM is famous for those, for those commercials. Sure. Where they'll have, you know, a family and they'll look at two different vehicles and then choose one and then they debadge it and say, look, it's a right. Traverse or whatever right. it is, right? Well, these these kind of, uh, they're like, look like farmers, you know, uh, big burly dudes and walking around the trailers inspecting yeah. and they all they were talking about is, wow, look at the welds. Right. Wow, look at the oversized structural steel they're using. Wow, they've got reflectors everywhere. So well, you're not going to get sides. And that's, that's the whole point is when you've got, it, and they make trailers of every, Size and need, but and I all think Gator Made though is is known for the larger flatbed style, right? Or what do you call the yeah, yeah, uh, low like boys? A, a flat deck, flat deck. Yeah, okay. I mean they, they make all sorts of stuff. I mean you can find you know shower trailers and horse trailers and flat deck trailers. I guess we're and, kind of detracting from the interview, aren't we? Should we uh, maybe we should call Gator Made. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> no, just let's wax. Uh, uh, yeah, let's opine about. What do you it. think about Gator Made? I don't know. I wish we I knew somebody we could call. We're a bunch of idiots. In fact, we do. Yes, we, yes, we <laughs> let's, do. Let's give. Uh, Sean Mosley, the operations manager for Gator Made Trailers. I'm going to give him a give him a call right now. All right, do that. Oh, turn the volume up. Hello, Sean Mosley. It's Lightning and Holman Truck Show Podcast. Yes, sir. How are you guys doing? <laughs> We're outstanding. Hey, before we can talk to you, we need your opinion. We've got an intro for you. Do you like uh, you like punk rock slash hard rock, or do you like uh, uh, country? Uh, hell, you guys choose. Let's I'll let, go with. I like it both ways. I like the uh, the the country bluegrass. You want to do country? Yeah, let's All do right, that one. We, we haven't done that one in a while. You're the innovator motorhead. You're the innovator motorhead. You're the innovator motorhead. Make new stuff and it's really real. We could just play the metal version. Well, you want to play the metal version? No, that was that wasn't the country version. That was the metal version, wasn't it? No, that was that was the the twangy, that was the twangy ish okay. version. Yeah, we haven't played no because so remember long. The, the punk version goes like this. 
Man, that hurts my throat. <laughs> uh, sorry, Sean, you got a double dose there. <laughs> Not at all. It's only fitting you guys are calling into Kentucky tonight. So a little bit, you know, I hate the country, but the other side of it sounds good, too. I need to hear a little more exposure like that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right, so on the phone, we got Sean Mosley. You are at Gator Made Trailers now. You're the operations manager. We have been dying to talk to uh, you specifically for what seems like months because you're the kind of the authority in the um, in the trailering space as it as it comes to, like, Heavy-duty trailing. Not the big stuff. The big stuff, right? The really well-constructed, I mean, the guys who really abuse well, the trailers, the thing. We have, they know Gator Maids we have to go to. So many trucks now. You have the Ford at 37,000 pounds of, of towing capability. You have the GM and the Rams around 35,000 pounds. And the last generation trucks were in 3032. Well, when those came out, it was hard to find a trailer to even put that kind of load on. And uh, Gator Maid is one of those companies that makes those big trailers. You guys are exactly right. You know, it, it almost astounds me at how fast this industry seems like it's evolving. You know, the other day I read a uh, GM article, and honest to God, I had to read it three times when I noticed they were 37, 37, 5 GVW. To see how that's materializing, almost amazing. So, yeah, we appreciate the fact that you guys give us some kudos on it, but we really do strive to be that niche in the market. You know, we want to provide absolute top quality. And, of course, any manufacturer says this, but – we don't just try to say it. We try to walk the walk. We want to have the very best quality gooseneck hot shot in the world. We like to focus on those heavier GVWs. We like to focus on air ride suspension, 12K disc, maybe 15,000 pin suspension. A lot of the things out there that are just kind of, I won't say new to the market, but they're really starting to take traction due to the fact that there are so many of these new trucks coming out with the bigger GVWs. So in terms of construction, what makes your trailer better? Well, you know, I'm, I'll definitely answer your question. I want to step back maybe a couple years. We started out manufacturing kind of cookie cutter gooseneck and hotshot trailers like a lot of the guys in the industry. You know, there's a big demand for it. And you can build just smaller trailers as many as you want, as fast as you want, pump them out every single day. One day I was talking with the owner and we sat down and said, you know, we really need to reevaluate this just a little bit. Let's take a look at every trailer in the industry, including what we're doing. And let's look at starting with the framework the materials that go into the trailers, the type of materials that you choose, maybe safety features that others don't have. So we kind of sat down, regrouped, and decided that we were going to sit down and build the best gooseneck trailer in the world. And even though we're a small company in terms of some of the other large manufacturers out there, we do cater to a worldwide audience. So we do, you know, quite a bit of international sales. But to actually answer your question, just as you want to build a good foundation on your house, we feel that a trailer is no different. So we start out with a little bigger beam than most places do. We use a 14-inch wide flange beam, where most places are using a 12-inch beam. Long story short, what does it equate to? It equates to less metal fatigue, and it equates to a trailer that's going to last a lot longer. And when you divide out how long does a product last, divided by cost, you know, that's the only, the only way that I know to get a true measure of cost. So we tend to believe that in doing that alone, it really lessens the cost of a trailer and the operation over a period of years. So that that's a little step on it. And then as far as materials that we put in it, we like to partner with running gear companies like Dexter Axles that have nationwide and Canada-wide warranties. So if you needed some type of service while you're out on the road hot shotting, they're going to be in every town, every state, and they really take that type of service work seriously. So 
we try to start with a good foundation and just put every good piece of material we can into it along with options that's going to make your life easier. You know, we, we put some ramps on the trailers. We actually pioneered those wide ramps that everybody has out there. You know, you see a lot of catchy, cliched names for them, but we're the company that pioneered that. Steps that are really easy and safe to get on and off of. Light bars, uh, the concept of having ratchet rail built into your trailer. We try to uh, take a no-hold-bar approach to it and put everything that you could possibly use on a trailer so you can get out there and go to war with the right tools. A question for you, Sean. Um, why gooseneck? Like, why was that the one um, niche you went after? Primarily because the demand was so big. We make a full array of trailers, but I would say the gooseneck and the hot shot is probably where our premium line stands above and beyond a lot, a lot of other competitors out there. And the reason we chose it was there's a big market nationwide for it. You know, it hits so many different niches. First, you have the 40 and 45 foot guys that are out there running the hot shot roads every day. And then you have some 25 and 30 foot trailers that maybe guys are just putting commercial equipment on. Then you drop it down and there's a lot of farmers and, and people of those nature that are using some of the smaller GVW goosenecks. So it just seemed like when we put out a really niche, really high quality product, we're based in Kentucky and we have guys who literally drive from Alaska, not to pick up equipment, to come here to get the trailer. We have guys come from California wow. to get We send them to Australia. We send them to Chile. We send them routinely to Canada. So it was the one product for us that by really being innovative and putting a good quality out there, I suppose the customer is the one who really allowed this to happen because, you know, we could manufacture 747s if we wanted, but if the market weren't there, it probably wouldn't uh, play out for us. So I guess... I'm going to say a 747, that's pretty, uh, that's a little bit bigger than a, tr- <laughs> yeah. than a gooseneck. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A bit bigger than, but I, I guess my point being, you know, we want to focus on things that we'll actually sell and there's actually a demand for and I think just the general public, the demand that they had for a better product than was out there probably led us to where we are today, you know, just continuing to innovate and uh, and trying to make trailers that, you know, ultimately I, we kind of take this philosophy. We, we kind of look at it as being a game and the game being it needs to be a win-win scenario. And number one, the consumer, the business, and generally it's, it's a business, either a small business or a large business that's buying these trailers. You know, they need a trailer that's going to help ensure their success. You know, that if they're working full time, they did a full time partner and that partner being that trailer to work for them. So we always try to focus on that. And I think secondarily, if it works for them, then it naturally works for us. So in a nutshell, I suppose that's why we went after the gooseneck market so hard. Yeah. I mean, you sell a trailer to a guy, you're kind of you're kind of married to him, not with uh, warranty or service work. It's just that you're you've got a partnership with him. He's rolling around with a giant Gator logo. You know, well, on the gooseneck, and, and that tra- and- that trailer is also you know facilitating his either fun or his business, right? So he's he's probably earning a check and livelihood, and he depends on the quality and and uh, build of that trailer. Now you're talking about hot shots, and I think maybe we're insulated in kind of a you know in the L.A. area. We don't see that many, based on what you're saying. There are a lot of guys out there doing these crazy drives pulling either cars or heavy equipment. Oh, man, right. I've, I drive cross-country two or three times a year, either from Michigan or or from the south. It's amazing how many hotshot guys are out there, you know, just, just yanking vehicles around the country. And, and it's one thing— Tractors and the whole the whole. Yeah, whole usually, usually vehicles, you okay. know. And uh, the one thing that's funny is you always see, I would say— 60% of the trucks are Rams. Are Rams. Yeah. And Why about is that? 30% of them are Super Duties. 
and only 10% of them, I'd say, are, are GM. GMs. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, we've talked about that before. Any yeah. idea, um, Sean, do you have any idea why that is? We seem to see more ramps on the road, you know, 3,500s, duallys, et cetera. It's funny. We're on opposite ends of the country, and it, this honest-to-goodness amazes me we're having this conversation. Six hours ago, I was at our facility, and we've got a— uh, a crew of freight guys that are independent freight guys that pull our loads out daily. And I was kind of joking with them. They, uh, they run the Dodge Rams and we were talking earlier and I said, you know, almost everyone I see, they're running that 3,500, 4,500 Dodge Ram truck. Yeah. Why I think it's that? Is it the Cummins engine? Is it, what is it? And we were, I don't know that I can answer you fully. I will tell you what the fellow said to me today. And he owns a company that has a fleet of about 30 of them. He said, you know, when I went shopping, I shopped around and, uh, the price tag on the Ford was a little higher. Price tag on the Chevrolet was a little higher. I had used Dodge a lot in the past, and I just paid attention with most of your hotshot guys in the industry, most of the guys calling these wedge trailers, carrying you know cars or enclosed trailers. Every one of them seemed to be doing that. And he said, I guess I was kind of had the sheep sheep type mentality, and I went that direction. But I've always had good service with them. So I don't know. I'm actually answering your question. I think it's a bit of mystery as well. But I would agree with you on our side of the country. And, you know, I see guys coming every single day, just like you said, guys that you're going to partner up with. And uh, a lot of them, amazingly, a lot of them are coming in with temp tags and that on their trucks. Uh, They're buying brand new trucks. Uh, You mentioned the hotshot industry and how large it could possibly be. I tell you, it astounds me every day when I'm talking with their sales guys. And we just get lead after lead for these guys looking to enter the hotshot market. And I think it's there's a lot of it low barriers to entry if you think about it it's sort of like you can buy your own job now i don't mean that in the wrong perspective yeah but it is similar sean to to an uber driver or you know you can get in yeah, you go to a ship or something would, like that and people are putting out you know uh, uh bids for shipping freight from point a to point b it's almost it's amazing how in the age of uber and apps and all that stuff that basically from a freight standpoint you can do that as well somebody put on an app and you decide yeah i'll, I'll take that trip wasn't there a tv show on um, yeah there was like a and e or yeah, for, history or for like one two of those seasons or, or something right. where they were shipping stuff cross country it's like a husband and, and wife team and they were always arguing yeah, and, there's a whole bunch of them yeah. and they all had like weird things they were shipping from one place to the other and yeah that that show freight wars I often freight wars freight that's wars. it yeah I didn't mean it as a joke, but I truly meant this. You guys, it would blow you away how many people that I've had. We sell a lot to guys in the military that are, they're on a base in Afghanistan or, or somewhere across country, and they're emailing us saying, I'm going to be getting out of the military here in six months. And I have literally had four different guys, honest to God, email me and say, I've watched every episode of Freight Wars, so I can be <laughs> and I'm kind of chuckling to myself saying, well, I guess that's one way of learning. But, you know, things like that, when it gets out in the mainstream media, I think it takes hold. Yeah. And I think that one thing that kind of helped, I won't say propel this freight industry, but I think it did have an effect on it. You know, people being able to see that. Well, I think the, yeah, the average guy has no idea that that exists other than he sees a truck with a trailer on, on the highway, right? So, well, I don't think anyone knew that you could buy an entire storage unit for $5 and then sell <laughs> it for 100 grand. Yeah, well, you know there's I mean? that too. Different show, though. <laughs> right. Oh, is it? <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the Gator made trailers, and uh, there's a couple here that caught my eye. Not that I would have any use for them, but how about the, uh, Air Ride Dual Tandem Gooseneck with a GVWR of 25.9 to 30K and lengths of 25 to 45 feet. And then I'm going, okay, that's that's pretty cool. And then I'm looking at this one. The 30K tri-axle gross vehicle weight rating of 30,000 to 37.5, 25 to 45 feet. The triple axle gooseneck flat deck. 
There's all sorts of cool stuff in here. Like, I just want to go trailer shopping. Well, I want the <laughs> I want the mobile shower trailer. So when I'm really dirty, I want you to have the, the mobile fields, shower trailer too. Because there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight or nine showers. You in know this what's trailer. nice about that? What's that? Is you could go a whole week without cleaning, right? <laughs> and you just go pop to the next just rotate, right? Yeah, yeah. And then hire someone and to then hire somebody week, right? to go behind it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. You know what? I didn't think about that. If you were towing that from coast to coast, you could just <laughs> you have to worry about the truck stuff, would you? You could just stop and have to go shower. You know, it's funny. We actually had, uh, I think it was the city of Los Angeles mayor's office bought either three or four of those from us. For the I hope there was extra toilets in that one. <laughs> Or was it for the for the crazy homeless population in Los Angeles? Well, it was, that it too. was homeless population. That's what it was for. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't doubt it at all. They're spending a lot of money right now. Uh, we wanted to talk about other, you know, Goosenecks obviously hot. Hot Shots amazing. There, there, there are tons of them. You kind of own that area in business. But I, I want to touch on the consumer. You know, we have regular dudes listening that have, whether they're Vino's enclosed trailers, maybe they're horse trailers, more consumer-oriented Talk us through what sets yours apart as opposed to some of the companies that are up in Indiana. You know, we've all, there, there are a million different companies. Indiana, you couldn't think of another state that was making trailers? I, no, because that's the big one. That's where <laughs> no, a lot of them were coming from, right? <laughs> I just saw your, I saw your pause. I saw the fear in your eye. Well, like, I was Damn, about, I can't think of another state. No, no, no. I was about to mention some of his competitors. I chose not to and just say a state. Yeah, there you go. Right? Okay. okay. All right. Well done. So well done. I, I wanted to say what makes a good trailer from a bad trailer. If I'm, if I, you know, like I want a, something to tow my buggy, right? I've got a old mm-hmm. Volkswagen I'm going to take out to the dirt. I think there's a lot of considerations, and, and I'm going to answer you in sort of a backwards answer here, but it'll make sense maybe once I spit this out. First of all, you know, we see so many guys, whether they're using it for business or they're doing what you're saying, they're using it for play, they almost look at a trailer as an afterthought. So, you know, you you go out, you buy the $100,000 truck, you go out, you buy the $30,000 buggy, and then you come into the trailer arena and say, Oh, hell, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, give me the cheapest <laughs> thing I can find as long as it gets me out there and, and gets this thing on the road. Well, they're not really thinking about what the cheapest thing actually means. You know, a lot of guys go toward used trailers, so they go towards something that may not really be made so well. And I think it's that how is it easy is it for us all in America to get this price misconception going? You know, you get that Walmart effect that, hey, if it's cheaper, it's got to be better, right? So let me kind of address that. I think a lot of times people can really cheat themselves by looking at, Maybe you get on eBay or you get on Craigslist and you say, all right, I'm going to find the cheapest trailer in whatever size range that I'm looking for. They look at it, you know, from 50 feet away. Hey, they all look the same, but they really don't look at the details on them. They don't look at the paint quality, for example. Is it powder coat or is it wet painted? You know, the powder coat is worth so much more because it's going to be so much more durable and it's going to last so much longer. That's a uh, big maybe- powder coat oven to put a, uh, a you know, 40-foot gooseneck in there. It's a lot it's of powder a coat. powder coat oven, as a matter of fact. And, you know, I was in there today. We were actually making a video of some powder coat stuff that we we're going to put on our YouTube channel. And, oh, awesome. and I think it's about 70 feet long. <laughs> I would uh, literally I watch that because minutes. that stuff totally, totally interests me. Like how just the manufacturing process and then watching something so big. Get, like We just had a, a, a company called Specialized Powder Coating out here in SoCal on a, a few episodes ago. And just talking about the powder coating process, I can't even imagine – what is it like to prep the, a brand new trailer and get that through the oven? That's pretty cool. It, I'll, I'll say this. It's probably one of the biggest challenges in the trailer manufacturing business itself. But it's cool when you see it come out. You know, it, it gives such complete coverage. You look on the bottom top, all the nooks and crannies, and it's got that good complete coverage. Oh, you yeah. get it all. Look at any so, trailer okay. that's been on the road for a year or two and look at the underside. And they may have the top maybe in nice shape, but, man, all the salt and rock pits and all the things from crossing the country – 
you can really tell a lot by the trailer by just sticking your head under the deck. Yeah, we're really spoiled on the West Coast because it's dry, it's arid, but then you get, you know, uh, northwest, uh, up into Canada, and of course all over the east, it's all salt. Uh, how do you prevent that? How do you... How are you better than the How other guys? How do you maintain guys? that right. as a trailer owner? Very good questions. I guess there's a few of them. And I'm going to say this. We we ourselves learned a lot of lessons. In about 2008, when the economy kind of faltered and stumbled just a little bit in the U.S., there was a lot of Canadian business that came to us because the Canadian money was more, worth more than U.S. money. I had no idea how much business was out there. So we started teaming up with a lot of those guys. And at the time, we were wet painting, not powder coating. So we're sort of like the Domino's pizza commercial. You know, you see them say, hey, we've made some mistakes in the past, but we learned and we've moved forward. We were the same way. We're wet painting, and hell, some of that paint, it would ship on the trucks going to Canada in the wintertime just because there was so much salt and debris on the road. So we kind of had to up our game and and had to work with paint companies, I say paint companies, but powder coat companies to get the actual mix to be the best we possibly could. As a matter of fact, they suggested to us that we use some uh, powder that wheel manufacturers are using on semi-trucks because you know, that was in direct contact with that salt spray every single day. So we kind of played off that and kept tweaking our process. But uh, you mentioned also, you know, as a consumer, how do you how do you maintain that trailer? It's just like a vehicle. You know, a lot of guys, I think they think, well, I'm going to buy a trailer. It's a, it's a heavy equipment trailer. It's a utility trailer. Hell, it's made to be abused. And that is a fact. But if you're pulling them in extreme environments like that, it's no different than any other vehicle. You know, you want to kind of spray off the salt spray and some of that because that will work on the trailer no matter what you do a powder coat finish is great and i think it's the best finish that can be applied to a trailer but in the exact same regard it's like anything else it has positives and negatives so you really you know you have to be aware of it and maintain your equipment keep it clean now what about uh, rhino lining or linex do you ever get requests for that you know we have and I, i'll tell you it's kind of funny i actually had a fill in montana one day he was on his his uh, ranch, I think he told me, was 12 miles out on a gravel road. And he said, you know, this was a bumper pull. Envision a big bumper pull equipment trailer made out of 14-inch I-beam. And travels were just going to be nailing that thing. So we took it to our local Linex guys after we had it built. They rhino led the whole front, or I'm sorry, Linexed the whole front end of that trailer. And it was awesome. Also have a, uh, in our industrial park, there's a axle manufacturing company behind us that, uh, makes axles for the semi-trucks and they bought a couple trailers from us and they actually bought them in rhino line the whole trailer they just wanted the most durable thing they could possibly get and i think they held up well for us so for the guys who are extreme and extremely particular maybe that's a route but it's a route that comes at a pretty significant cost you know i, I think uh, when it comes to trailers people don't realize that using them abusing them loading overloading them using them in in the element in the winter it's almost just as bad to leave it parked out in the uv well, yeah, I was going to ask Sean about, I don't see trucks broken down uh, with blown tires as much as I see trailers with blown tires. Is that just because they sit and rot? Well, I'm going to say there's probably multiple reasons. One is that, you know, in the trailer industry, the RV industry, you always hear the guys saying, dang, I have tra- trailers with brand new trailer tread on it, but it sat so long they've kind of dry rotted and then you have these issues. I would say that's part of it, but I would also say, you know, there's a lot of pitfalls that I think just the normal consumer doesn't realize and there there would be no reason for them to realize it unless they really studied it but you know let's say for example you pick a trailer let's just use something easy Twenty thousand gvw a lot of guys think i want to buy that trailer and i'm going to put twenty thousand pounds on it but they don't realize that you have to take you have to account for the weight of that trailer yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) oh damn it i forgot that part i mean how many people out you know we have a flat deck um 
you know car trailer that we use in, at four wheeler for the off road group. That's a you know it's a it's a ten thousand pound trailer has two I think actually I think it's a twelve thousand pound trailer has two six thousand pound axles on it. Well, when you subtract the weight of the trailer, which is a really heavy steel construction, you end up you can only put an eight thousand pound vehicle on it. So you get a full size truck with forty inch tires and Dana sixties and a big block and all this all of a sudden. That's a pretty heavy vehicle, and you start realizing, man, I'm I'm actually maxing out this trailer, and and a lot of people don't realize that. Right on the money. I'm not going to say that accounts for so many flat tires like you mentioned, but I think it does have part of it, and I do think that's a common misconception that just gets passed off. People don't think about it. It's almost like this spare tire. You know, it's not necessary until you need it, and it's the same deal there. You don't realize that you've had an issue until maybe you overload it and then have an issue, and then the awareness comes on you. So it's a you know a good learning lesson at that point. When you're selling a trailer to a customer that's uh, maybe new to hot shotting or uh, they just bought a farm, they've got new farm equipment, they need to get it you know, from here to there. Do you ever find yourself kind of teaching these guys how to tow, like how to uh, distribute the weight? You know, we've been very fortunate to have a pretty good crew of people come through. You know, we've sold to uh, Boeing aircraft, Delta aircraft, Cummins diesel engines, for example. They use actually some of our trailers in Indiana to test their engine product that they're going to be putting back in the Dodge truck. So that was when we kind of flexed our muscles on. You know, I thought that was a kind of a, a cool deal. But for the most part, it's exactly what you said. It's, hey, I woke up yesterday. I decided I'd like to be in the hot shot business. I already had a diesel truck. Heck, I'm going to pick up a 40-foot gooseneck and I'm going to get on the road. So number one, huge misconception. A lot of these guys don't realize that you have to have a CDL license for some of those big trailers. Mm. You know, you have to have the same license as a semi truck runs. Especially with these new uh, class of trucks. Is that in all states or is that uh, state by state? How does that work? That is a nationwide uh, Department of Transportation regulation. Anything over, I believe it's 26,000? Anything over 26,000. And what they do is there's so many different ways they can kind of nail you on that. So the truth of the matter is, when these guys get into it, that's that's just a, a common misconception. I think another misconception a lot of times is, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to get a cheap product and it's going to do a great job for me. You know, they, they find that the the only time that cheap product is ever good is that at the point in which you write that check. And then after that, it's an avalanche ready to come in on you. You know, we see a lot of that. But I'll, I'll tell you a funny one specifically. You asked me, you know, what do we see that's odd? We had a, uh, well, let's just say a crew. Uh, they had bought a trailer from us on eBay the other day and, and came to get a 40-foot gooseneck. And really, it, it was a family. It was a husband, wife, and they had two or three small children with them. And they came in to get this 40-foot gooseneck, and our shop guy who hooks up, you asked me this question, do we find ourselves advising a little? Right. And I'm so glad you asked that because it was really on my mind to say, as you're out, and I, I'm not touting our company. I'm saying regardless of who you deal with, partner you know use the word earlier partner you want to partner with somebody who has your best interest in mind and somebody who actually really knows what they're saying and not just trying to sell something that's on their lot to you just to try to make a profit well look i mean the bottom line is you've got the best of the best driving with pulling a gate you know gator made and you've also got if someone crashes or does something boneheaded it's still your logo back there so you are in bed with them you know you are in bed with them i, I get calls on a daily basis that will it's from places that have no association with us that'll say, Hey, I've got one of your trailers sitting in front of my house and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to call the police department. They're blocking me off. Well, we have no idea who it is. I just kind of laugh it off. But going back to the New York uh, situation, family comes in, they hook up a 40 foot gooseneck and, and the fella had a Bible verse written on the side of his vehicle. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he said, you know, I've never towed a trailer in my life, 
Oh no! Back in there pretty well. Yeah, he'll be fine. We looked at him and said, "You know, are you being serious?" Oh yeah, I'm being 100 percent serious. Even getting out of the parking lot, he had issues with it. So the the fellow who hooked him up, he kind of made the chuckle. He said, "You know, I did everything in my power to try to help educate this fella." And he said, "I finally looked at him and said, you know, you might ought to read that Bible verse a few times before you go up." (laughs) I'm sorry, sir. We cannot. uh, We can't sell you this trailer. Well, no, sir. Next year we have our, our 2020 truck of the year. And so we've got a whole bunch of trailers and stuff. And recently we were in a competition where we had to do in an hour, three of us had to drive a vehicle with a trailer up a course and then back through it. And you had an hour for all three people to get through it. You mean backwards through it? <laughs> Forwards and backwards. Oh, okay. So a right turn, a left turn, uphill and a left turn, and then back all through that cone What course. kind of trailer? Uh, it was just an aluminum uh, but, flat but, deck. But it was a uh, bumper pull? Bumper pull. Okay. And so our competition, one guy in front of us took 56 minutes to do to do it and then timed out. Another guy took 48 minutes to time out. Myself and two of my guys from uh, Four Wheeler oh, Truck Oh, here comes Trend. the show off. Here yeah. it is. We did it, the three of us. I believe it was in, uh, shoot, it was like 14 minutes or something like yeah. that. So, you know, it's 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 awesome. But here's going back, I just wanted to go back to the gross vehicle weight rating of 26,000 pounds for a commercial driver's license, right? So you can buy a Super Duty today with a gross vehicle weight rating of 14,000 pounds. So let's mm-hmm. say you get that Super Duty. And at 26,000 pounds, you need to have a commercial driver's license. That only gives you 12,000 pounds of a gross vehicle rated trailer, not load, trailer. Because they want to see the gross vehicle rating of those two together, the gross combined rating, right? So you have to back out the vehicle weight. You have to back out the trailer weight. And here in California, it's even stricter. Technically, in California, if you're towing more than 10,000 pounds, Mm -hmm. you need to have a uh, non-commercial Class A or a Class A Driver's license. So it's one of those things where I don't think people realize how close you are to the limits. And 12,000 pounds is no joke. I mean, that's that's a sizable trailer. I, I think because we've gotten in this cycle of manufacturers leapfrogging themselves all the way up to these 35, 37,000 pound ratings, 12 doesn't seem that much. But when you're towing 12, that is a sizable trailer. So um, you have to be aware of all those things. And if you go, if you get pulled over by an officer, and let's say you have that 14,000 gross vehicle weight rated Super Duty, and you've got a 12,000 pound trailer, but let's say there's nothing in, let's say it's a 13,000 pound trailer, just put us over 26, but they're empty. You can still get a ticket. Hmm. You can still get a ticket. You know, your your point, case in point, we had a fella, and maybe I said, I don't know, he, he was a great fella, came down from Canada and had bought a trailer from us, and it was an empty trailer and was going back. He was a dealer. And I had a call from, uh, I think it was Minnesota DOT, the fella gets on, and he was just being overly nice. And I thought, oh, my God, this guy, you know, he, he's really throwing it out there, just being more nice than I've ever talked to any officer like this. So I, I was kind of pushing the limit a little, and I said, you know, this this particular guy, he's a great dealer, just an honest guy. I think he's just on his way back up to Canada as we speak. I think he's just, you know, just across the border from you guys in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And the guy's talking favorably with me, and he said, well, you know, let's get straight to the case. The simple fact is his truck and his trailer combined with nothing on it, I mean zero load, subjects him to the fact that he's already in Class A CDL range. He goes, so his day's getting ready to change massively. And I thought, oh, well, Ouch. that didn't work out so well for this fellow. I <laughs> got to help him. Uh, you know, a couple months later, I see him again, and he said, you know, I, I actually had to go to CDL driving school. I had to get that. But, you know, I'm making this sound like a negative thing. I don't think it is at all. I no, think not at all. It's a safety thing. You know, people need to be aware of what they're carrying out there. They need to be legal. They need to do it right. 
And that's what those laws are in place for. If not, you know, it'd just be lawless, and God only knows what you'd see out there on the road. And let's face it, <laughs> La- no, lawless. It was true, right? It was <laughs> yeah. like the wild, wild west out Watch there. Watch out! <laughs> well, hey, those videos are on YouTube right I know, now. I know. But here's the deal. Totally a trailer is no joke. I mean, I've seen people who forget to put the pin after they put the, the, the trailer on the ball, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so it's not locked in. Um, I've seen people not put the chains on correctly. I've seen people where... They go to they unhitch the trailer and then try and back off the load and then the trailer bounces up and hits the tailgate and damages the truck because right. they weren't thinking. Like there's how, a lot of stuff. How that many videos have we seen in Lake Havasu with the guys back in the trail the, oh, the boat in yeah. and it pulls the entire you know yeah. Toyota Tundra <laughs> right into the water? Yeah. yeah, there's there's a few of those out hey, there. Hey, how do we um how do we as consumers, Sean, make the decision? between bumper pull, fifth wheel, gooseneck, etc. I want to answer you uh, maybe a little more on the side of some of the heavier trailers. Let's say this, you know, on your smaller, your consumer trailers, the ones that's going to carry razors, side-by-sides, four-wheelers, zero-turn mowers, generally you're always going to see those are bumper pull. You know, you think about it, almost every truck in America that comes out now has a hitch on the back of it, so those are easy to set up with. But I'm going to twist it just a little bit more. I'm going to step it up some. And let's say we get to the point where you're looking at maybe a little bit more of a, a commercial series trailer, maybe somebody who's looking to get in the hotshot game, or maybe they're an excavation company and they just need to carry uh, bigger equipment. You know, you guys mentioned the larger GVW trailers now. The trend is, no matter what the equipment is, it's getting bigger. You know, look at the Razors. They're bigger. The Bobcats. Heck, when we first started doing this, you know, Bobcats, they were small Bobcats. Now they look like small bulldozers. They just keep evolving, so we have to keep manufacturing equipment to keep up with that and actually be able to carry it. But to answer your question specifically, I think one of the biggest points that need to be viewed is if you're carrying a trailer that's going to be 30 feet or longer, it's probably always better to go with that gooseneck assembly. I'm going to put gooseneck and fifth wheel in about the same type of scenario in the fact that both of them go in the bed of your truck and some guys have fifth wheel hitches in their truck some have gooseneck hitches so that's easily adaptable so something long with heavy gvw that seems to work about the only point i would really recommend a heavy gvw bumper pull would be for these guys that are using maybe uh utility side bodies something that you just can't get that gooseneck inside of because Ah. maybe the toolbox is on the side of it or maybe they have a big dump trailer and you just can't get the gooseneck in it. The truth of the matter is the gooseneck or the fifth wheel is always going to provide a premium ride. It displaces the weight differently. It does a better job every single time on that heavy weight. So I think that's one reason it's so popular. I mean, when in doubt, go to the bigger trailer, go to the gooseneck or, or the fifth wheel. When in doubt, spec it out, brother. <laughs> when in doubt, spec it out. Is that our saying now? Yeah, just just for this interview. <laughs> okay. What do you think of the uh, new Super Duty with a up to 24,000 pound bumper pull? Well, first and foremost, I didn't even realize they had it. Is it a, is it an F three fifty? Is that it's the I believe it's either uh, I believe it's the F four fifty where you can do a conventional tow rated up to twenty four thousand pounds. And for me, I'm like, don't do that. Yeah, don't you get a gooseneck or get a fifth wheel, right? But but just somebody sounds dangerous. Somebody yeah, somebody out there is going to put a twenty four thousand pound trailer on the hitch of the back of their Super Duty. And I, as a trailer manufacturer, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on will that. It, will it pop a wheelie at some point? Like, what's going on? You know, so it's so funny you bring up that point. The first thing in my mind is, darn, on a 350 or 450 <laughs> truck, I wait on the bumper. But, you know, the second thing that comes to me is, hey, these engineers with the big three auto guys, they're not idiots. They know exactly what they're doing. They take safety into account, and they test these things. So even though I haven't seen it myself, I'm going to side on the positive side and say, hey, it's great. You know, just, just more capacity for these guys to have – a little more variance in what they need to carry. More trailers for you to sell, brother. Yep. 
<laughs> That's right. It sounds like I need to go back to the drawing board tomorrow and be able to hit the market. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, so uh, where can you buy a Gator Made trailer? You can buy them at various sources. We have our own factory locations uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, Charlotte, North Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, Memphis, Tennessee. So we're, we're kind of scattered more in the southeast and the eastern side of the U.S. But here's the cool thing, and I think a lot of people miss this point. We're probably easier to deal with than your local dealer in the respect that the guys who work for us, the sales guys, I'm going to call them sales guys, but honest to God, I think they're more advisors. You know, they're sitting back saying, you know, I don't want to push a product on you. I don't want to talk too much. I want to ask you, what is it you're going to use this product for? And we're going to try to guide you and match you to what, what we see day in and day out as being the products that people use that really know what they're doing. You know, the product that's going to do the right job for you, the one that's going to last. So long story short, we have the capability of shipping anywhere in the United States. So if you're in Los Angeles, California, and you decide you want this trailer, we're going to send you videos of it. We're going to send you emails of it. We'll go out and take pictures of the exact trailer that you're wanting. If it's a highly optioned trailer, this is one place that we really shine. You know, a lot of the massive manufacturers are so busy doing cookie cutter trailers that they don't care about doing these big GVWs. Or for example, hey, I'd like to have a 35.5 with 15k axles and air ride here's here's the i'd like the that too <laughs> i think you know what i think we all would but here's here's kind of the cool one i've said this so many times i think guys think i'm just bluffing them but i'm not you could take a hundred thousand dollar check and probably get any truck that you want in america within a day or two you know they're out there you could take a million dollar check and go out and say i would like a 40 plus 5 with two 15k hydraulic axles and air ride and I would almost bet you you wouldn't come back with it within a month. They're just they're just not out there. So we really like to focus on that. So back to your question, how do you get it? You can come to us and get it. We can ship it halfway. Or if you're busy on your job site, we'll put it on your job site within, you know, depending on where you're at, it'll truck out the next day. So we try to give the ultimate level of service so you can get out there and start making money more quickly if you're a business. And you guys actually have a great website, GatorMade.com. Uh, contact information, company history, warranty. But you have all the products. You have pictures of everything. For example, if you were to click on a gooseneck trailer, 20K tandem axle, uh, it shows you the 30K gooseneck receiver, the 12 by 4 inch I-beam neck and frame, LED light uh, work light bar, the 16 ply 2.576 tires plus spare, the two 8K Dexter axles, two easy safe mounting steps, all that stuff, easily pointed out, showing it uh, standard Features are listed there. Your optional features are listed there, as well as what's interesting is uh, not only do you show a ton of pictures of the trailer and all the features, it looks like you guys do financing. You know, going back to that point of it amazes me how many people wake up. And, you know, just as the trucks have progressed, I'm going to kind of throw this out. This might be something cool for the for the viewers out there. I want to say five years ago, six years ago, a ten to $12,000 gooseneck or equipment trailer, that was fairly high-dollar trailer. We're selling them now regularly, twenty five thousand to forty thousand. So they really progress. The guys are really wow. putting a lot of options, and you know they're doing it. <laughs> they're doing it not just to put dollars into it, but they're doing it because that's what they need. You know, they need bigger brakes, they need bigger capacity, they need bigger everything. And the, the fact of it is, most of these guys are smart enough to see the whole point of getting all this is the fact that it's a business decision. They're going out to say, I want to maximize profits. And I've oftentimes been guilty of saying this, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. You know, every day that you're in that hot shop business, you're going to war with your competition. You know, do you want to go out there with a slingshot while your competitor is carrying a bazooka? 
No, you don't. I mean, there's only three inputs if you really think about it. You have truck, you have trailer, and you have your work ethic. That's the three things you have. Can't buy and work ethic, brother. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> nope. I, I see so many guys out there that, I mean, they're, they are go-getters, and it amazes me how many of these guys – I mean, they really want to make it go. And well, you know what I mean? well, like our friend uh, Jesse had watched this freight. Yeah. He's killing it. Yeah. Killing it. But he is on 24-7. All the time. And customer service, number one priority. Sounds like GatorMate is the same way. Well, it looks like uh, if you're interested in a gooseneck, an equipment trailer, a car hauler, enclosed trailer, pintle trailer, tilt trailer, utility trailer, dump trailer, or any custom-built trailer to uh, fit your fancy, GatorMade.com. And uh, you guys oh, are on. Wait. I have a more important question yeah. really quick here. Sean, you have an awesome logo. Can I have a T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you guys send me two T-shirts, I guess I can send you one. Oh, no, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm no, a weird deal. Well, yeah, that's a weird deal. <laughs> two for two. Well, two for two. Stuff, you guys send me an email, and I'll get you. I'll get you some stuff to come in that way. It's a rad logo. I yeah, know. No, no. Hey, I'll rock that. I'll rock it. We'll 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 do a T-shirt <laughs> trade. And everybody Sorry. who's listening is going, yeah, right. You guys <laughs> yeah. always forget to send t No, no, we, we will. will. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do t-shirt trade. No, I, and I said I will too. I was kind of joking with you a little bit. No, I love sure. it. We'll be more than glad to. Well, if uh, you guys want to check out some awesome trailer porn at official underscore Gator Made underscore trailers, there's so much. Just I was scrolling through, being lost in looking at awesome trailers, and I'm like, I don't have anything to tow. I just wanted to have that trailer behind my truck. This is something that uh, I don't think either of our wives would understand. They'd be no, like, oh, God, no. You're looking at trailers? You're like, yeah, look <laughs> at this. How awesome this trailer. 14-inch I-beam on this yeah. one, babe. Air ride. Yeah. yeah. LED lights. Oh, look at that electrical system. Oh, no. Nope. Get a winch. Oh, it's a tilt deck. I mean- uh, you know, If I can throw this in there, I'll, t- I'll tell you a cool one that happened one day. I'm sitting I'm sitting in an office beside of some of their sales guys, and I hear a, it was an older lady, an older fellow from Alabama that came up. And they had bought some decked out freight trailer. And I heard the lady say to the salesman, she said, you know what? My husband thought more about the purchase of this trailer than he did our house. And I'm talking about our house. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah, totally. A lifetime in. And I kind of, I chuckled under my breath while I was in there. And she said, no, honey, I'm being honest with you. He thought about this trailer for months. And, you know, that, that to me is one of the coolest things to see these guys sit back and say, I know what the capability is. I know there's a blue million options that I can possibly put back on these things, but I want to tailor it the way I want it. And that's what we love to be able to pull off for you. What you want, we want to provide within reason. And so we didn't ask you make these things in all custom colors, I would assume, since you're powder coating, right? Sky's the limit? You know, you know what? I'm going back to Henry Ford on you on this one. <laughs> oh, really? He says no. As long as it's black, you can have it any color Really? You want. If I'm buying a fleet and I'm buying 10 of them, you won't like do a candy apple red or something? You know, as crazy as it sounds, we've had very, very few requests along that line. And to be straight with you, I don't know we've ever lost a sale because of it. I have had some big railroad guys in the past that were, you know, tweaked on a certain color. And we have made those exceptions if they would buy significant purchases. But it it takes so much. You know, that big powder oven that you were talking about. There's some automatic sprayers in there. There's just, and there's a Oh, the clean out of, yeah, different colors and all that. I'm sorry. I was just thinking about a dude who just loads in different color powder and- goes to work but maybe not well yeah maybe if you're powder coating like brackets hubcaps yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wheels yeah uh, he's uh he's you're doing right on it i'm, I'm already for trailers wouldn't, but it's uh there has to be some major dollars spent before it does that or else it gets so cost prohibitive you know that you just have so much time cleaning out and then you lose what you would have done otherwise I, i'm that, going uh i'm going out on a limb here i'm gonna say that uh, my partner lightning here uh gets a t-shirt before he gets a colored trailer <laughs> yeah that's probably true <laughs> i'd be willing yeah, to say bet i'll take pretty straight there <laughs> <laughs> all right sean mosley 
Gator Made Trailers, really appreciate you checking in with us. Uh, we learned a lot, and uh, we're looking forward to getting those shirts and uh, rocking your logo. Yeah, we'll, we'll send you an email with our <laughs> with the uh, with the trade demands of uh, where we can send it and all that good stuff. But uh, we appreciate you making time for us. And listen, if uh, if you guys ever have anything interesting in the trailer space that uh, you need to get out there for the truck enthusiasts, give us a shout. We'd love to have you back on. Well, you know, I can't thank you guys enough for it. And of course, you know, you're always plugging your own company. I realize that. And I, I tried to re try to hold back from even doing that on this show i just wanted to put out some general information to the best as i could but i know i had to kind of twist it our direction just a bit but uh, no i mean listen sean before you came on we were talking about gator i mean it's no secret that you guys are the leaders in the industry you know especially in in hotshot space and so it's i think guys are gonna if they're interested at all they're gonna go to the website and your story speaks for itself well especially being uh, independently uh, owned and veteran owned i mean that's all and made in the usa right there in kentucky so i think that uh yeah, you know, there's a lot of reasons where uh, people are going to want to check out GatorMade.com. Well, we certainly appreciate it. And I was going to say this: I don't, I don't know if anything like this exists, but you know, you got like Motor Trend that does all the the vehicle tests and all that. I've always had this thought in my mind: Could you imagine if some of the big manufacturers provided those trailers so you could test them? I don't know if you guys ever do anything like that, but if it's ever an idea, we're right here to uh, to be right there with you and provide. If you if you ever decide something like that would be cool, so yeah, same here, we can ever do for you guys. Let me know. We'll keep that in mind because we'd love to work with you. Well, guys, you have a great evening, and thank you again for giving us a little time to get on here and uh, talk some trailers. You got it. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate Thanks, it. Talk to you soon. You're welcome. Thanks. Right, Bye. Okay, so I feel like I, I learned some about trailers. I, I mean, not as much as I, I wanted to. I think we owe our audience a, uh, a trailer episode. I think we learned a lot about what makes a good trailer. I think we learned a lot about trailer construction, but, we didn't, but in terms of towing, towing yeah, yeah. So yeah. this isn't really the tow episode. This is just dabbling a little bit and kind of getting you up to speed with some good trailer technology and trailer news and what's we going just, on. We just dipped our toe in the water. Oh, I think, that's, I think it's a different toe. That was punny. <laughs> that was very punny. Uh, it's like a dad joke. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so uh, anyway, I'm, I'm talking to uh, a manufacturer. I'm talking to one of the towing uh, mm-hmm. RV associations yep. as well as a hitch manufacturer to try and figure out when all the stars align and we get everybody on one tow episode. So more towing coming. We understand. I get all of your DMs, all the things you tag the Truck Show <laughs> podcast on Instagram, all of it. So We're we going know. to tell you how to not crash your toy hauler. We hope so. Yes. <laughs> we I mean, that's so. the goal. Using technology and skills. Yeah. And science. I mean, we're going to get to weight distribution hitches and, and all that good stuff. We'll get to all sorts of stuff, but uh, you have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So what we did not do in this show that we feel like we owed you guys, but uh, we've got a lot to get to in the next episode in 91. Uh, we want you to leave us a message, 657-205-6105. That is the five-star hotline. Five-star. 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 Also, we want you to send us your exhaust note, record it, play it over the phone, and pause. We'll try and guess what it is, and then you tell us what it is. It's a whole lot of fun. Or you can send it to us, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com as an audio file. Uh, we've had some success with uh, actually the audio quality being a little better than the old Google Voice. Uh, that is true. Yeah. So if you yeah, email, that's good. All right. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. I feel like that's the end of the show. I think that is the end of the show. We uh, had a great show. We uh, got to go to uh, Yuma Proving Grounds. Took you along with us. Got to talk to some executives and do some cool stuff there. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. But the best part of the show? The Snickerdoodles. Oh, dude, those Snickerdoodles were so good. And also Gator Bay trailers. Yeah. We had some good guests. I, 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 think, uh, I think this was a good one. Do you? I mean, for us. 
Because hey. we've set the standard. Uh, our bar is really low. Yes, for us. There's a, It's the caveat. It's like, a great show for us. <laughs> Hopefully you guys agree. If you don't, or if you do, at Truck Show Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, or uh, one of you 65 people on Twitter, at Truck Podcast. Do you feel like this show is good enough to ask for a five-star review on We're always, uh, yeah, Apple absolutely. Podcast? Yeah, it was six stars as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so here's the thing. Let's tell people it's six stars, and then they'll realize I can't give you six, so they'll give us what they can. Or oh, if they didn't like it, they'll give us five. I like it. Yeah. Right? Smart, huh? <laughs> You're also smart. Uh, going down to your local Nissan dealer and uh, checking out the new Titan or Titan XD. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Check out the Pro 4X, that uh, Platinum Reserve, work truck, the S-Grade, the SV, the SL. Find a uh, Titan for you and uh, check no, out. No, for me. For Find you? One for All right. me, yes. All right, then you need to head over to NissanUSA.com. Perfect. Or if you're so inclined to uh, get that stuff that's uh, making a mess in the bed of your truck, decked. Decked.com. Where are you going to get it and do it with it? I'm going to put it in there. I'm going to store stuff. You're going to organize it. it. I am going to organize it. All right. I want you to go to deck.com. I don't want to tell them more about it. I want, I want some mystery. Well, yeah. But, like, what is that deck.com he speaks of? But here's the problem you can't feel those smooth Texas ball bearings when you pull out the drawers. I don't know that your drawers. low voice like makes it sexier. If there's one thing I love about Texas, it's barbecue and ball bearings. Doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah, but they're both really good. <laughs>